0: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws. Now, before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's joined us this year. Obviously, it's been a strange year for everybody, um, but I also want to thank Alan Hess, who's jumped in and been an absolute superstar as a co-host for the last eight months, Um, Alan and myself will be doing one more episode before the year is out, which is a kind of 2020 roundup. But I wanted to finish this year with a guest who works for a company whose products I absolutely love and have way too many of. They're very collectible, uh, the Field Notes brand. So if you haven't seen them, go to fieldnotesbrand.com and I strongly suggest either finding some, re- some of these really cool notebooks and buying them or get a subscription because trust me, this stuff it's not only awesome it's collectible and their 50th edition next year is going to be absolutely choice so um and also subscribers get very well looked after they get extras which often uh sell on the open market quite well so um it's a very collectible hobby uh but anyway what i wanted to say about this episode was i've had some issues with my audio recording lately and for some reason uh my audio is getting a lot of clipping and unfortunately on this episode I thought I'd corrected it, but it just seems to have done the same again. So massive, massive apology for the kind of vibration and distortion of my audio. I've tried to kind of drop it down and, and cut it out. But um, even when I ran it through, Audition to try and uh, try and kind of get rid of it all. It didn't sound very good. So apologies for my awful uh, audio on this one. But it is a really good interview. We do talk about uh, Brian's background uh, how he joined Kudel and uh, Industries and Field Notes and how Field, the you know the history of Field Notes and everything and we talk about the 50th edition and also the Field Nuts group and other bits and pieces so please join us and stick to the end it is a long one it's an hour and 50 but I wanted to maximise Brian's time and talk to him about everything so I hope you enjoy it uh, I'm not going to waffle we'll be back next week with mine and Alan's end of year episode which will be on, out over Christmas in the meantime enjoy this and uh, we'll see you soon hello welcome to another episode of he shoots he draws and tonight's a bit of a little bit of a geek fest for me because i've got a very accomplished graphic designer as a guest tonight who also works for a company that some of you may have heard of and some of you i want to by the end of this episode go and spend money with them (laughs) it's mr brian bedell from field notes hello brian hello glad to be here yeah thank you for joining us so um for those that are listening uh brian brian works for a company called field notes and they make notebooks and we're going to talk about that during the episode um and kind of what what that's all about but as i started to get to know brian through field notes and a a bit of my day job um i became more interested in brian's kind of background as a designer and his love of english football which is always a winner with me (laughs) so rather than talk about field notes at the beginning just can you tell me a little bit about your kind of designer background because we're all about the same age you're a little bit younger than me but we all started without computers so yeah what, what was kind of what was 15 year old brian um looking to do at that age Yeah, I've been thinking about this a
1: lot lately. Getting into design, I was always just a fan of art class in school. That seemed like, I guess probably whatever you're going to end up getting into seems like the easy class for you at school. But I always, you know, like drawing and painting and printmaking especially. I was always really into like just doing the linoleum cuts and stuff like that in class. And even from a young age, I just noticed typography. Um, I just did a talk for my college class about how Cooper Black is the Garfield font, the cat Garfield like books like yeah. when I was a kid like you know that I just every time I see the font Cooper Black I think of Garfield cuz that's what they used for the books. So, you know, I, I would I would notice and recognize these typefaces as parts of logos or as identified with something else like that. Um, you know, getting into music and seeing the album covers and the band logos and and you know some of the cool like once I got into like punk rock and Black Flag and Dead Kennedys and stuff like that had these really cool logos that were easy to draw and I think that's kind of what drove me towards design. So I I, I always say I was one of the few people on my floor in my college dorm freshman year that actually knew what I wanted to do and stuck with it. <laughs> but it was it just seemed ob- obvious to me all along that was what I wanted to do and uh, you know it's always still just interesting to me. It's it's everywhere you look you see design and art and composition and the. You know, I since got into photography more and more too, and it's the exact same. I see it as the same process and the same uh, essential elements. you know you're looking at composition and line and form and color and, and typography yeah. and all the same sort of pieces all go together. So I get, you know it's I, I, I try to play guitar or something like that. you know, I've been trying forever and I'm terrible at it and I can work hard <laughs> at it and get a little better, but this is something that's not instinctive for me. And I guess maybe design is my thing that's like that. Like, you know, you watch someone really got on guitar just noodling around and it's nothing for them. And and, and design has always kind of come easy to me, I guess, is, 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 you know,
0: and so I was attracted to it for that reason. Did you have a goal to, to be anything? Like, because obviously in America, like you have school, then you have like college, university, mm-hmm. you, have, you have an aim. Was there a specific job at the time or a place you wanted to work that you kind of felt oh, i'm good enough for this i can yeah. go for that or was it like me mu- was music still kind of the overbearing thing music, at that time?
1: music would have been the dream and at the time i just wouldn't have thought that possible and and it did sort of work out a little bit that way but yeah like i, I went to ohio university in athens ohio which is sort of near columbus ohio i'm from i was living in cincinnati most of my high school year or my grade school years um so kind of the 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 job if you were one of the good designers there, you would go to Columbus and get a job at I don't even remember what the company was called, but the parent company of the Limited, which is like a mall store here and express and a couple other there was like kind of a big big company that owned several mall stores and they all had kind of good design at the time so that was kind of in my head, and I think I sent a resume there when I got out of school but um but I also knew I wanted I didn't want to go back to Cincinnati. And I had Chicago in mind all along. so that was kind of the goal was to get to Chicago and find something to do here. Uh, I was really into industrial music at the time, which for <laughs> I was I still I, I, we started my, my uh, kid and I started a radio station <laughs> online and we DJ, we DJ once a week and last night I played ministry and I thought, God, I just don't listen to industry at all anymore, but that was all I listened to like in the for a couple of years, maybe in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. And so wax tracks records in Chicago really attracted me here I knew and reckless records like I knew the record stores up here already right and I knew the neighborhoods and I knew the venues so so that's kind of why I came here and and I got to Chicago at a really good time when there were just amazing bands everywhere and really good venues and, and great shows and I would go see bands three nights a week or four nights a week <laughs> well, so good old days so yeah so that was my thing and you know and, and, and I never really, I had a couple of friends that were maybe in bands that weren't real big. So I did, you know, an album cover here and there or some flyers here and there. But I never and, I you know, I took a camera a couple of times to show. So I have pictures of like a few bands playing, but like it would have never occurred to me. I was, a, you know, I had just come out of college and I had photography classes and a good camera and a flash. Like I could have been the Charles Peterson of <laughs> Chicago. And it just never even occurred to me to like take my camera to a show, you know, which is kind of a bummer because I would have had. You know there was no one there with cameras so there, there just a lot of this yeah. stuff wasn't documented very well
0: uh that was a, yeah go on because that's the thing when you're a kid i was gonna say when you're a kid when you're younger because like computers weren't in our world that was my thing i was a designer i knew from i knew from the point of being a child that's the thing i'm going to excel at i was a little chubby ginger kid i was the <laughs> sport was never going to be a, a thing for me to start off with but at no point do i ever recall like a careers teacher or even my parents even think it the closest i got was talking about becoming an architect yeah
1: or there, or just the was, idea that no you can path. do this now you can you know yeah. you can you can do it nothing's stopping you like there and i think this has changed a little for younger people now like like my kid's a junior in high school and they realized that uh you can start a zine and you can start working and doing things with your friends. And that's how a scene or whatever develops, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. how you get work and meet people and do things. And I don't know, I I was, I grew up in the suburbs and I think that might've had something to do with it too. And we live in the city now, and maybe in the city you see that going on around you more, but yeah, like no one told me just go out there and make things and get involved in things and volunteer and, you know, and talk to people. It just kind of didn't occur to me. It was sort of like, you need to go, put on a tie and go to an office and that's what you need to do.
2: That's a job. And so
1: that's kind of what I did. And, you know, and I think that worked out well for me too. Um, I worked in, when I first came here, well, I worked at the school newspaper in college and that was just as it was, I graduated in 91 from college. So that was just as Max were taking over. And we had the first image setter in Ohio at our college newspaper. Like people would come from around the the Midwest to come (laughs) see our image setter and our 10 megabyte hard drive. And, uh, and then, and, and even actually, I know right before that. Oh, and then I had an inter- internship in college at, at a CD magazine that was actually listing every CD that was released every month, because uh, you could still do that. <laughs> and uh, and they were using a thing called the Bedford typesetting system, which was it was kind of a early phototype setting where it was you, yeah. you would use a computer and a keyboard, and it was sort of typing almost like HTML, kind of like because I used a phototypesetter at the college newspaper too. And that's very similar to HTML when you think about it. You're typing a code for the width of the paragraph and a code for the typeface and a code for, you know, and then putting in tags for bold and italic and everything. And so the Bedford system was very similar to that. You're typing in all the tags, but it would display it on a screen while you were doing it in a very primitive, it was like a vector screen, like, a, like, a, like missile, not missile command, what's the other... Uh, Uh, asteroids the video game you know the vector yeah yeah, yeah, like a vector video screen so it would draw this really kind of sloppy you know you could tell whether it was serif or not but the typeface wouldn't be exactly right but you would see the the fit of the column you know and if you had a drop cap you'd see that it lined up right and and, you know and that was like when that came out i'm sure the company i worked at spent you know hundreds of thousands of dollars installing this system and then six months later you could buy an imac se or buy a mac se and a laser printer and do the same thing so, uh, so it was a very short lived Simpson, sim- you know, but it was a uh, system, but it was neat to see that transition from, from photo type setting. You know, luckily I wasn't too, involved. I did a little bit of, of metal type setting in, in college just for, for the experience. But, and I got back into that later a little bit, but, uh, to go to see that transition, I was right on that transition from photo type setting into, into digital type setting. And, uh, you know, and then so then even then I was just with a couple years of experience of doing that, I was like able to be snobby about digital typesetting. Like, no, you can't stretch type like that. <laughs> you know, like, oh, what are you doing using using that gross typeface? So so I have I, that little bit of built in snob. But then, yeah, and then coming here, you know, and then yeah, moving to Chicago and getting my first job, it worked out well because I was. We didn't even have Macs in my high, in my college classes, but I had the one at the newspaper. So I had been using um, PageMaker for a few years and Illustrator, mm. you know, daily, like every night at my job. We were a daily newspaper, and uh, so I kind of came to Chicago right at the right time as all these publications were going digital, and all these, you know, sixty-year-old kind of ex-hippie art director type guys <laughs> were just losing their jobs because they couldn't keep up, and that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But you know, like I could come in, I could come in and typeset half a magazine in, in a couple of days where, you know, this you know, where like the old way was so much, you know, more people. You know, when you think about all the people involved, like working at those magazines, and then I went into textbooks for a while and then back into magazines for a while. Uh, just all the steps of typesetting photo like the, the stat camera, the whole photo department and, and making yeah you know, making photo prints and halftones and things, all the stripping, all the, uh, you know, all the all these steps that were, went between, you know, comping to design to pre-press to printing, there were 20 people involved. And now that's stuff people do basically by themselves on a, on a computer, yeah. you know, and, you know, that was like a duh thing back then. But I don't even know if people really realize that as much like younger people realize like how many people, <laughs> you know, there was like a person who only did not only people that just only did typesetting, but people that would only just cut rubolith all day, and people that would just make halftones on a stat camera all day for, you know, for a newspaper or a magazine. It was yeah. all these very specialized small jobs that have been consolidated into designer. No. I remember
0: listening to um, somebody, someone talking about making Letroset, um when they used to do the sheets for set, And and like it was all I think someone said that there's a there's a, let, a version of Letraset that is like the most perfect version of futura or something (laughs) the way that it was made the way it was laid out but i i I, my first job in i worked for my dad in engineering for nine years because like most kids now they come out of school they've got all the equipment they can go self-employed from the age of 18 and that was never a thing for me. It was get a job. I did engineering. See, I think it was, like and
1: just no one told us that, you know. Right. And I don't, I don't yeah. want to be like all kids today because kids today are awesome. Like I, I, I yeah. see, I see. You know, I'm really proud of what I see people doing now, and it, it's impressive. And I don't think, I think there's every bit of attention to detail, and people are, you know, people do things right, but you know, they just maybe don't know what was involved before, and maybe it doesn't matter. But it's just, it's interesting yeah. to me.
0: Yeah, I liked. Well, it's that generational thing, isn't it? Like uh, like my dad did it differently and his dad did it yeah. differently and I I think it's really exciting. I'd love to be a 20-year-old again with everything oh, yeah. available to me and the opportunities and kind of some of the work they get. Yeah. But I remember uh, nine, 1991 I got a job at a print company. Um one of the biggest employers in Hemel Hempstead near where I lived. So I had access to the guy. it was guys making Heidelberg presses, lithographic presses. Uh, f- scanners. The first Mac. I, it was the first time I used Cork Express. I used to. Once I saw what that could do, I asked if I could make all the warranty forms in Quark. And that's <laughs> how I learned. My my love of design is. I love. Yeah, I love colors. making a form. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> really nice it's
1: it's like, like something. Yeah, as a designer, you just come across every day all these forms. You're like, what are these people thinking, making this form So, <laughs> so every time I get a chance to make a form, I get excited about
0: it. Yeah. Same here. Um, so where did, in the gap from like 91, when you moved to like your LA of design mm-hmm. and you got into Chicago, what, what was going on between the gap of, um, leading up to working? Well, I mean, how did you meet Jim? How did you find out about Kudao and? I, well, I worked, I, yeah, I moved
1: up here cause my sister lived here. And so I had a free place to live out in the burps <laughs> for a while, which was not tenable if I was working downtown. So once I got a job, her husband worked in publishing and he helped me get a job at a textbook publisher, uh, there was lots of temp work like there it, with, with textbooks, they would hire, you know, hire 200 people to make a textbook for a temp, you know, for six months and then lay them off. And, you know, it was so that they didn't have yeah. to have this huge staff of people not working. So I kind of got involved in that industry for a few years, kind of jumping between temp jobs and then working actually at the publisher for a little while and moved downtown. And then, uh, one of, was it? I, I think just, between jobs, I was looking for another job, and I had—I can't remember now how I got the other job at a at a magazine publisher, like a trade magazine. A mining—it was a mining magazine called Rock Products. I told everyone I worked for a rock magazine. <laughs>
0: I I worked for a company. I, I, I tell people the same thing. Yeah. I worked for a quarry company. huh. Yeah, so that's exactly I said what I've was was. in, the rock in the, yeah, yeah, so uh, so five years I visited quarries, yeah. I had to do quarry parts, yep. you know all I about aggregates say, and uh yeah, yeah, and uh tertiary wheel loaders and, rigged, and yeah, yeah and grinders and everything yep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I would draw yeah. all these diagrams of different plants and like, you know, quarries and stuff. But it was so that was but I was like the art director of the magazine, you know, so it was a dumb mag. I mean, it wasn't dumb, but it was just not anything I was really interested in, but I was in charge of how it looked, you know. And it you know, I, and I always say like be a, I think that was a good way to go. Like you could go to a, a more famous, you know, go to Vogue and be like an assistant mm. assistant assistant photo editor, but I went to this, you know, sort of dumb quarter or dumb monthly trade magazine and I kind of got you know, if I showed up and got it laid out, they didn't care what it looked like as long as it was legible. So it was good, you know, it was a good experience and it was, it was a laid back job and I could go, I mean, back then, this is still like 92, 93. Um, printers were total alcoholics then. So all the print reps were total alcoholics. So all these guys, you know, and then the editors, you know, and everyone smoked in the office still. So I would go out, you know, I'd go out and see mud honey, and then you know, stay up till three in the morning drinking, then show up like half drunk, still at work. And you know, and then my job was easy <laughs> enough I could do it. And then you know, and then all the all the editors would just go out at lunch and get ripped, and all the all the print uh, production people and everything. So so there was like maybe a two hour period before lunch when we could get anything done. But uh, you know, but it was nice because it was it, I could get it done in my you know I worked nine to five I got my job done and I could go out and do what I wanted and that helped me. I started getting involved in scooters so i made a zine like this was when i started realizing i could do things on my own so i started doing a zine about scooters um is that you know and what getting was more two in, buzz yep yeah, uh-huh well that and, was it two
0: stroke buzz yeah
1: or? and i you know i did i think i did only three or four issues of that but it was i would actually i was a designer so i didn't photocopy i actually found a printer and had it printed and had like a right. screen printed cover like they were pretty fancy and you know and that was cool because then you know i realized like oh i can I can email this band and they'll be happy to talk to me and I can ask them, you know, about, you know, so I would write about bands and and scooter shops and, and and events around the country and you know, met a ton of people that way. So I you know, and I think that doing that zine built more connections and gave me just as good of experiences like the three or four, you know, years at my at my at my, ma- at my uh art director job at the magazine. And then from there one of the other art directors from there went to a company that was doing marketing for Camel cigarettes. They had realized Camel was Camel was coming off of the Joe Camel era, which was sort of this cartoon, I don't know if it was in England, but a cartoon Camel. And they were saying, oh, kids are smoking because of this Camel. So they were really yeah. under a lot of pressure to, to make their marketing skew older, but also to target the youngest people they legally could, <laughs> which is, it's such a shady industry. I, I always kind of feel dirty of working there. So, but the, but you know, the good idea that my the company I worked at had this idea. Well, why don't we just market cigarettes at bars? Because if you're at a bar, you're old enough to smoke. So yeah. So that which turned out to be a brilliant idea. So we did all they called it trend influence marketing, and we would, I think, we, by the, when I started there, it was like five cities, and then by the time I left, it was like thirty cities in the U.S. with maybe thirty or forty bars in each city, or clubs or venues, music venues, where we had a contract where we could send in. Um, you know, like cigarette girls with a tray of cigarettes. And then they would collect names of people. This is the most 90s thing ever. Uh, Collect names for the mailing list so they could mail coupons to people and get them on the mailing list and everything like that. And we would, in return for that, we would sponsor shows. So I was the art director there and we would do, like I said, 30 cities, like at least a couple dozen venues in each city. And just an event almost every night in every city, we would design little flyers for them. And we would do a newspaper page for the local like alternative weekly newspaper with all the events mm. listed in it. And we would design custom ashtrays and uh, ashtrays and pint glasses and clocks and headers for their beer coolers, you know, just do all these kind of free things for them to get them to uh, to work with our program. So that turned into I had 35 people working for me, I think, or 30 people working for me, and you know it turned into just administration. I wasn't even doing design anymore. I was doing, mm-hmm. I was interviewing and looking at resumes and doing performance reviews and filling out forms all day. And oh. uh, and my friend Susanna there wanted my job, so she t- she. It turns out she was Jim's uh, husband's girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> or Jim, I'm sorry, Jim's wife's brother's girlfriend
2: <laughs> right. so she told me
1: about feel about about kudal partners and you know so they yeah. were hiring so i went in and interviewed with jim and it was uh it seemed like a far more laid-back job where i'd have more hands-on design time and it paid better than my art director job so i went there <laughs> uh and yeah and, and back then i think it was six people still a very small company we were doing all the black hawks marketing uh, or all the black hawks advertising and a lot of their design uh, we'd kind of come up with a campaign for them every year that's the chicago blackhawks hockey team if you're in england yeah uh and um some other sports stuff a lot of local restaurant stuff but it was you know it was more of a typical agency design logo advertising a little bit of film we would we would do tv spots working with producers again film is another thing like it's a shoot a 60 second commercial it used to take 50 people and a hundred thousand dollars and now we make these field notes videos with steve and i like in a you know, in, in someone's backyard for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a $75 budget.
0: <laughs> so you got back into design then when you went to Kudao. You, mm-hmm. you kind of got back into being the designer rather than being the admin right, right. side.
2: And Which was too bad because was...
1: the job before that, you know, it was like such a cool variety. And, you know, before I before it got super busy and before I kind of got more into administration, I really liked working there despite the weirdness of working with the tobacco company, all the legal things, hoops, you had to jump through. And it was just, you know, there was just this crazy variety. You'd be doing a barbecue flyer, then like a, you know, like a, you know, metal night and then, you know, mod night or whatever. It was just, you know, all these different themes and formats kind of. And it was, that was really a good experience, but it was just, I wasn't designing anything in there
0: anymore. <laughs> so was that, when you joined Kudel, was mm-hmm. the Chicago Blackhawks like the big, their big account at the time? So you, you moved into that and started yeah. working...
1: Yeah, they were probably the highest profile. Plus, a couple of restaurants. We were working for the Houston Astros. They were just moving into a new stadium and changing their uh, uniforms and stuff. So we were just finishing the, the Astros uniforms when, we, when I started. But yeah, you know, so there were. It was kind of Jim and Susan were kind of the lead designers there, and then Kevin was the lead writer, and then there were a couple other designers, and I was one of them, and uh, a couple salespeople. So it was a very small company. And then Jim from the very beginning and still to this day hasn't, I think the, great, the greatest thing about Kudal especially was just the growth. Obviously we wanted to make money and grow, but it was also, there was always this emphasis on let's not work till nine o'clock at night. Let's not blind pitch to companies. Let's not jump through mm. hoops for people that aren't going to pay us. You know, So Jim, Jim has good common sense about that, about not taking spec work and not fighting for jobs we're never going to get and not trying to get big clients just for the name if it's not someone we think is going to be a good fit with us and with field notes we've been lucky that field notes people generally come to us it's not like we have to do a lot of marketing we don't we have salespeople, and we do a lot of co-promotions and collaborations but almost all those people of the shops even come directly to us and and hunt us down rather than having to really make the sales effort to go out and so it's nice it's nice kind of like getting to work. We do all these custom jobs and a lot of times we'll just be like, I don't think this is a good fit for us. We don't, you know, it's, you know, the money's good, but it's just not, they're going to be of pain to work with. Why would we do this? So Jim has a good sense about
2: that. That, that might be one it's of the like, most important business things ever is to know when there's just a client that you should just say no to. Yeah, I mean, for so, sure. It's, so many times, I and especially when I was younger, I'd have someone come and I ended up doing jobs where I earned like $50 and spent like a week.
1: Yeah, at, and, and you can almost always tell from day one, you know, yeah. and it, it's so, it, you know, and we've <laughs> we, we made, the, there's a few for Field Notes and with Cuddle Partners, we made a mistake a few times, and, you know, and when it ended, we were like, we knew all along this was a mm-hmm. bad idea. You know, if you have a bad feeling about it, it's almost never worth it to keep going with it. Yeah. I just,
2: I, I just right, wish more people yeah. would actually. I mean, just literally, like that's one thing anyone coming into any creative industry or any business industry really should pay attention to: is when your gut tells you that it's a bad fit, it's most likely a bad fit. And yeah, and stop. it's not
1: even like an insult to anyone. You no. know, it's, there's someone else out there that would be fine with it, but it's just yeah. not something.
0: <laughs> not for you, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, and I don't. You know, I always thought you know, in college and everything would be like, here, do, f- do three fully developed comps to present to the client. And that just always seemed like a big waste of time. Cause obviously they're going to pick the worst one. <laughs> so, you know, like just do the worst one off the top
2: and, yeah. and make them work. <laughs> and them. They still like I it know time. like
1: Paul Rand was famous for saying, you know, like if you went to Paul Rand to get something designed, he would say, here's, you know, you're paying me this much money and you get my final thing. And if you don't like it, then go pay someone else the same amount of money to do it again. Yeah. So yeah, I would work that way. Given the chance
0: i think it's better having known as a studio because i remember listening to an interview i think with you and jim a while ago and you were talking about how the company operates like you won't expand for the sake of expanding you'll you'll continue to do what you do best and yeah. then if the company grows you'll grow with the product rather than go and hire 10 new people yeah. and go right but especially, what else can especially you
1: do? in the 90s there was just the move to start a boutique agency you know to leave an agency start your own boutique agency grow it up to 100 people and then sell it back to the agency and retire you know that was like every every agency person was doing that then so it was refreshing to the gym actually wanted like a sustainable company that you know we could go home at five and see our families and and live our lives so that was good
0: so when you're sat there with jim you've been at Kudal for a little while and then aaron draplin happens and, this, and 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 this first and this first kind of inkling of i know the story so aaron made some little notebooks mm-hmm. for his friends and jim got one and jim spoke to aaron and said we could do this mm-hmm. i mean at that at that time um when you look at what it is today mm-hmm. which we are going to talk about but at that time what was kind of your because You know, when you're a small company, you sit and come up with ideas. And I always think, you know, what would you be doing if Field Notes had never happened? Right. So when that moment comes along and Jim goes, I've got this idea. At that time, I mean, what what, do you remember thinking this is an amazing idea or was it kind of... Yeah, but it's also there was...
1: I think at that time we had already done conferences about what Jim was calling it, entrepreneurial design. Right. So we were already throw in a lot of hooks out. We After, like, I guess it was, we started the Kudal website, which was kind of like a really early design blog and made a lot of connections through that. So maybe like in the, you know, around 2000, I guess maybe 2001, there was kind of like a big, well, 9-11 happened was the big thing. Yeah. We lost a lot of clients then. A lot of restaurants took stuff in-house. Uh, we had a client meeting that day with like a final proposal for them. And they never called us back after that. Like they just, <laughs>
2: right.
1: so, so, you know, business really, slowed down after that and we started looking for other opportunities because we had this following on our website of mostly designers and creative people and bloggers and and kind of trying to figure out you know how of course the website was all designed to you know to pitch our uh, to you know our, uh, any design company is going kind to of have a portfolio on their site right and we never even yeah. got around to putting the portfolio on our site we started this blog and started putting all these other kind of the museum of online museums and uh, field tested mm. books. And so we had all these other kind of like weird side projects, side hustles go in and we still had clients, but they were getting a little, le- like started doing layer tennis with, with Adobe, which was, uh, I was
0: just going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, and, that was, that and that was, and that right was, of course, of that was before field
1: notes too. So Aaron, we I don't know if we met Aaron through that, but we had done, we did a little thing called, what were they even called? Sh- like shush cards that you would, Aaron, Aaron designed him and we printed him and, and it was like just a card you could print out on your pr- printer at home and write in, hmm. it would say like, thank you for not talking about your, you know, check mark, check mark, check mark on the bus while I'm trying, you know, you know, it was just like right. to, to shut people up when they were talking on their cell phones. So I think that was the very first thing we did with Aaron. And then he played, he just like dominated Lair tennis for a couple of seasons. Uh, and we got to know him better and better. And yeah. And so he, and he had been making these various versions of field notes for probably a couple
0: of years before he sent us one and just, just layer tennis. Cause I, I don't want to sure. gloss over layer tennis yeah. right, <laughs> yeah, because is, yeah. it, because of working at astute graphics. I've now started to learn more and more about designers and their backgrounds and how they design and how they print and the output. When I looked back, when I first started to kind of look into what Kudel was and, and what Aaron was doing. And I came across this layer tennis and I remember layer tennis mm-hmm. And and looking back, I'm like, man, you had some, like, amazing... Austin Cleon was taking part. Oh, yeah. You had, like, DKNG. Oh, everybody, um, yeah. And
1: it was, and again, Matt, that was just people we met because we were blogging about design and we had just kind of made all yeah. these friends online. Yeah, Aaron, you, some, you know, uh, Marian And uh, I'm just going to forget her. Jennifer Daniel, who I love. and uh, Matt
0: Stevens, John
1: yeah. Cantino, Yeah, yeah. I mean, almost <laughs> everyone on there is great. And then we... Jim was kind of running those, and then I was running the undercard, kind of like we would do an amateur bout before the before the main bout every day, and I would run that. And
0: yeah, and even some of those people have gone on to be pretty big names. So it's like some some great. I mean, obviously sponsored by Adobe, but that that from I remember that when I was looking back, and I thought oh, I remember layer ten. Yeah, I go back and look at that it's...
1: sometimes, and it, and it was so much work, and it was and the first few seasons we were so disorganized. Like we would do. Part of it was in, I can't even remember what systems, but it was like it was not a united website. It was just all these different bits and pieces of, propri- of you know, like uh, pieces of Twitter and pieces of, uh, you know, HTML or uh, FTP even, you know, like just everything. Like it was just, it took all of us all of Friday to like make it happen because it was so complicated. And by the end, we got it kind of dialed in and got the website built and it made it a lot easier, you know, to get all the chatting and posting and writing and everything all put together uh and then and then we stopped doing it so but uh, <laughs> yeah there's there i think there's at least one maybe two seasons that are just lost like we don't have them <laughs> so
2: what, is, was so what different exactly those types what exactly yeah, it, was it ended it? up
1: being that kind of that ver- the horizontal format but there were a couple of seasons or at least one where we did a vertical format it was a little bit different and it was almost all just kind of put together with we would basically code it in html live while we were doing and put it all together and it might still be on the kudal site somewhere but it's uh, I mean, it's not linked anywhere, but it might still be on our on our FTP somewhere. But,
2: <laughs> so but yeah, I mean, yeah. Looking back
1: at that, it's impressive, and it would be it would be neat to get that. It would kill us to get that started again because it was so much work. But uh, it was awesome. We called it Photoshop Tennis at first, and then Adobe contacted us, and we're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to ask us to stop using the name, and then they're like, no, we want to sponsor you, but we want to change. They were that was around when when uh, Creative Suite was coming out, so they wanted to pitch right. the whole the whole the creative suite rather than just photoshop so then we did some with video and and the internet was not ready for 15 minute video battles back then
2: no so was so, so is are you this, gonna uh, say some alan so is this designers working on the same product or going back and forth on a on an idea or concept right, it would be for... it would
1: be a yeah, one designer would just kind of throw up the first volley which would be it was kind of like a three by one horizontal shape that we always used and they might just start with an image with a little type on it or something like that. And then the next designer would have 15 minutes live to go into it and make it, you know, just change it. So they could they could meet beforehand and maybe kind of like plan out a story or a gimmick, you know. Sometimes like I remember someone did that two truths a, or three truths and a lie or whatever like that, you know. So they kind of built their story like around something like that. Or, you know, sometimes they would kind of both start with the same assets. So they kind of were on the same wavelength or other times they just go into it totally blind uh, you know, and that would work equally well. Uh, sometimes it got, you know, really mean, like they'd start actually insulting each other and start, you know, more like a rap battle kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah. And then, and then meanwhile, so that was happening live. And I think only in, in one case we did have, we had Phineas Jones here in Chicago and Dan Jetsa, who were both kind of poster, mostly music poster kind of printer guys here in Chicago. And they were doing it all analog, they were drawing and paste, cutting and pasting to put their things together. So we had cameras running to show the whole process. But I think that was the only time we did that. Usually it would be, you know, the designer would go off, you know, and do their thing and then post it 15 minutes later. So in between, we would have uh, either one of us or like a, a writer or a blogger or a, you know, design, design historian or whoever would write sort of commentary on how the match was going. And so I did that a few times. And that was almost. I would argue that was more nerve wracking because you had to kind of find it, something to say. But you also, the, the the designers would have a volley, fifteen minutes, then a break, then a volley, and like the the writer would have to write like a couple paragraphs immediately as it was posted <laughs> every volley. So that was that was insane. That was draining. But going back and looking at it, it's funny. Like reading the stuff I wrote, I don't even remember writing it. Like it was so stream of consciousness, and I'm sure the design was the same way. But it, there's some amazing things there. I think it, it's it's a neat thing to go back and look at. We need to it's it very
0: straight. i mean it's very eclectic and there's yeah. a good like real good mix of designers and it's interesting to see what they were doing back then as well because obviously like you say it's that it's it's um unprepared you kind yeah. of go in and you see name you see familiar names in design like and like you said aaron obviously got involved in that it is is that kind of your first memory of working with aaron or meeting aaron or or being involved with him cards
1: the phone cards and then and layer tennis were definitely what i remember i don't know if jim had maybe met him somewhere else at a conference or something like that but yeah that was the first i was aware of him and then yeah and and, we hit it off and you know the field notes so again you know we had we had all these failed ideas we had pin setter we were selling jewel boxes we had uh, we were selling one year the bears won i think 13 games in a row the football team here and so we made these shirts to check it off you know if they're going to keep winning and of course they lost the next game after we printed like you know 600 <laughs> shirts or whatever so we had all these like terrible ideas too that didn't work out but you know we just had our irons and a lot of fires i guess and and field notes you know jewel boxing went for a long time but then that was sort of a, the super jewel box which was a high-end phillips product from from uh, holland i guess uh that was just sort of a fancier box that had a very complicated insert. So we made perforated or inkjetable inserts for that and sold it yeah. as a kit. But then, you know, by the time, by the time Field Notes got going, no one was using CDs or DVDs even for storage <laughs> anymore. You know, it was easier just to send stuff online. So, so, uh, you know, that was kind of drying up. We did the show, which going back to saying in college, I wanted to work in music. We did, we worked with Dead Can Dance and the Pixies. I got to work with Von Oliver a little bit on on the Dead Can Dance live CDs. We were going around to all their shows and recording the show and then selling live recordings at the show that we would go and design and, and master and then mail out later. So that kind of got us,
0: wow.
1: kind of got it. That was part of it. We had this whole infrastructure of all these side businesses and a lot of them involved packing and shipping and logistics. So we kind of had a mail room going by that time. We had you know like one person that was actually packing and shipping all this stuff and Keeping track of that. And so you know, so field notes sort of it didn't come out of nowhere. It slotted very neatly into what we were already doing with all these other projects. Yeah. And that's you
0: got to work with Vaughan Oliver. I mean very well.
1: very little, and he probably if he remembers anything about me, it's that it's that I mailed him his samples twice and they got lost twice.
0: And uh <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> hopefully he eventually I, got them.
0: Well if he yeah. was it this did he pass He did pass he year, right? yeah, this yeah. Year? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was this year, yeah, wasn't this it? Year. Yeah. Because I got his um book from Unit Editions, the collect his collection of works, and he died soon after. He I um, mean he
1: was my if he asked me who my favorite designer was, it's probably him or maybe, you know, maybe Neville Brody I loved a lot. But it was almost all or you know, like all the British, uh uh, Peter Saville, who the more I look at, just realized he was stealing everything, but he did such a good job with it. (laughs) Um but there, you know, yeah, I I was really I was a huge Anglophile like while I was in college and I was really into like the the whole Mad you know, the Stone Roses and everything like that. Mm. Uh, Happy Mondays, Factory Records, and New Order, and Joy Division. So, all that stuff, it, that was like my central inspiration, like getting into design was, was yeah. that music. There's stuff. a really
0: cool book just come out. I think it's Hacienda. It's a story, it's. Um oh, the books. A, it's a number. It's the it's the amount of designs they did for the records or something. But it's a really cool book with a really cool front cover. Yeah, like, in by, well, cause they it.
1: numbered everything, which actually that's a yeah big, that has a lot to do with field notes. I mean that that the, yeah the the factory records numbering system is everything to do with like the, you know Aaron and I, Aaron, I. That was probably Aaron's idea, but bet if you asked Aaron, he would say 100 percent that was factory records. Um. We used to, the nine ninety nine postpaid like originally Field Notes like I think they were nine ninety nine and Aaron and I were fighting to do it like can't we just include shipping with that like Discord Records because that nine ninety nine postpaid like Fugazi Records were still nine ninety nine postpaid until like five mm. years ago you know it was, that was just the price <laughs> point you know and, and including that shipping which of course is just no longer tenable because shipping has gone insane but
0: so from a design point of view because as a kind of as i've got to know the field notes brand over the past i mean i've only known of aaron since 2015 and i first time i met him was 2016 and that was really when i started He used to have that um the expedition orange mm-hmm. one in his top pocket and that's the first time i saw field notes so i went on the site saw what it was i thought oh, i'll grab a couple of packs of them and then when i met him i saw his merch table and i got a couple more packs it's all down um, over but, there uh, <laughs> yeah. But at the time, I mean let's just talk about that because you butcher blue, blue butcher uh yeah, orange and blue. Mm-hmm. Then you got like Mackinac, Wing. like they were all they were all order, That'll, save, ah, that'll I,
1: take an I, hour. I could, you could kill an hour right there. i
0: probably work my work my way through. But they were all single colour at the time. Mm-hmm. You were you weren't into the at that point you weren't doing the kind of design aspects yet on the front it, it was it they were they were standard colors they well, were yeah the it color started editions. out
1: in a weird way i don't know if you know this but like yeah we printed butcher orange and butcher blue at the same time with no intention You know, in mind that they were sort of going to be a limited edition or a special kind of thing we did on the side i think it was actually the same time we printed the first time we did a big batch with uh we were just doing graph paper with craft covers at first and then i think the first time mm. we printed the ruled and plain and mixed packs along with that we printed some with blue covers and orange covers just thinking oh these will be fun we'll throw them on the site and uh so yeah we put butcher orange on the site and it sold out within a couple a couple days i guess like really, really quickly I think we you know we made five thousand packs but that was a lot for us mm. back then and we were like oh wow and i think we had a few retailers then and i think one of the you know a few retailers were mad that we didn't give the retailers a chance at it so we actually went back and reprinted some just for retailers and then um we also had customers that were just like, "Hey, if you're going to do limited editions, you should do a subscription to make sure that I can get them all. Like I can pay you in advance." And, mm. and we were like, "Oh, hey, that's I, you know, I wish I remember. Probably Jim could look up who sent us that idea. That we owe them. <laughs> we owe them big." But uh, we actually did look up recently. We have several, probably I think like under ten, but somewhere around ten subscribers that have been subscribing since the beginning, uh, which, wow. is, which is pretty neat. So that's been. 10 years now, 11, 12 years. Well, since subscriptions, 10 years.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, plus. But uh, yeah, so we didn't really have the intention of doing subscriptions at first or necessarily doing specifically quarterly editions. It was just sort of we'll put out a weird one once in a while and see how it goes. Mm. And then once the idea of subscriptions came up, we it, it sort of forced us into this four times a year pattern. And that's when, you know, and like you said, the first few were relatively simple. We just kind of would use different color papers. Um, maybe use three different papers for the three different books in the pack. And then started to get a little, you know, th- there was only, we we print in the U.S. and only use U.S. paper, and there's not surprisingly a huge variety of paper to choose from, <laughs> so we're a little limited. There's plenty we still haven't used, but, uh, you know, we use a lot of French paper, and we had used kind of the most obvious ones out of that, and we kind of wanted to mix it up a little more. So we started just getting more and more adventurous with that. But also that's when we realized kind of like what a good, template aaron had made in the original field notes you know like and and as a designer this is something like one of the big things i always tell when i'm talking to students or something like the biggest point i get across is is going into design you think like oh if i could just do whatever i wanted to do this would be so much better and i totally disagree with that i think like having some sort of starting point and set limitations is going to make anything better you know having Mm -hmm. a deadline and having you know and that's i think that's why i've done you know, like I do a lot of the day-to-day field note stuff, whereas, you know, based on Aaron's design. And I think that's worked well for me because Aaron's design is just this great template to start with. It's, it's this format, you know, the size, you know, the type you're sticking with, you know, I've used nothing but feature uh, and a little, uh, a little century guy or a century school book here for the last billion years. But, you know, you know what you're starting with and you can take it so far away from that, but you're always going back to that. And I think that's kept it possible for us to kind of not get too crazy with them and then we also have sort of the mid-century thing in mind that we try to stick to and you know and we're stuck with american materials so it's you have these limitations and i think limitations are going to make anything better even to you know even working with clients like if they gave when like i said going back to like when i was doing the cigarette marketing like the venues would say here's our form for this venue and there was a space for like what ideas what colors you know what images do you want and a lot of times they just write like make it cool there and that was like the worst thing like <laughs> make it cool like give me something to start with so yeah. so i think having like that popped. starting point having that template is really what made fieldness what it is obviously but you know it's given us consistency we have in our writing i think like steve and i and jim and aaron all can write in the same voice now you know and and either, yeah, yeah. You know, and even other people there, you know, we kind of have this voice for the company and this sort of aesthetic that we all understand. And it's such a small company, we can easily stick to it.
0: At what point in that early phase did you start to realize we're not just selling notebooks here? this is is becoming like people are looking forward to this people are we we have to make the next edition something a little bit special because you can see it Mm -hmm. you can see as you look back you started off with the colored editions which for those listening if you had a copy of uh, Butcher Orange or Butcher Blue right now, you could probably... They've been going recently on eBay for about $500. Well, for a three-pack. Yeah, for a three-pack. <laughs> That's, That's just how... that'd be crazy. I know, but th- what was funny, the other day someone found a pack of Butcher Blue and put them on eBay as um, Powder powder Blue powder blue Notebooks. $38. Buy it now. Oh my god, really? And, I didn't even see that. And and someone bought them and it was a pack of Butcher oh. Blue. Um, and they contacted the seller and said, you do realize what you've just sold? Are you sure about this? And the guy, to be fair, the guy apparently on eBay said, nope, I, 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 I put it on. I put a price. You paid the price. Oh, wow. Whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, so they are collector's editions, the early ones. Yeah. and then Well, that but, one but specifically,
1: where, we, we printed it and then didn't really kind of factor in the subscriptions and we oversold it. So we actually had to like cancel some orders. So we didn't have... You know, we've got Enough. a box of you know a few of at least all of them. You know, yeah. in our office we have a little kind of archive there. But butcher blue, like I, I think I have a pack, and we have maybe two packs in the office. Those are, those are rare even with us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and when was that moment where you where you kind of all sat around the table and went, "We're on to something here."
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, seeing the orange one sell out quickly was maybe the first hint, but even then we didn't really get it. And then after. Three or four editions are out. I think Michelle started getting emails. I think a guy from Italy emailed her, and it was like, you know, I really, really want these old ones. I'll pay any amount of money for them if you have a few around the <laughs> office. And I mean, we lost. You know, we, had, we there was a time when we, you know, we started getting people. You know, people would email and say, oh, I missed this one. You know, can you maybe find one for me? And there was a time when we were just sending stuff to people. You know, free, even just. You know, because we, yeah, you know, it was like, well, you know, we got a bunch around sure, Here you go. Mm. And 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 then people started taking <laughs> advantage of that very quickly. Once word got out, how how we were with everything, so so we had to kind of crack down on that, and then I don't, yeah, but I, you know, like subscriptions took off pretty well and just grew. You know, we get more and more every time, so you know, the additions would get bigger and bigger. And uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, there was Field Nuts as a Facebook group, was a big thing, and I can get into that, but mm. I'm trying to think if there's anything before that, really. I mean, I think we started—you know—we started realizing after a while that some of the older ones are getting collectible. You know, starting to see some of the early ones selling for a higher price on eBay, and that was probably before Field Nuts started. In the, I remember writing in the original text. We did a little postcard that went out to advertise subscriptions, and it said, "You'll get one pack, one pack to use, and one pack to put in a PPC envelope to sell on eBay later, or something like that." <laughs> like I made that—I made that joke totally like facetiously. Like that just sounded stupid to me, but I was just being funny. I guess people took it seriously. And we still, we try not to, you know, from the very beginning when we saw that happening, it's 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 neat to us and it's flattering and it's, but we try to stay out of it too. Like we don't purposefully limit things. Like the limited editions we do, we see it as almost more like a Kickstarter where if we make the right number, we sell out of them and we make all that money and we can invest that in the next edition and do something exactly, else cool. Exactly, yeah. And we don't have any intention of not letting people get things or artificially inflate the value because we're selling them at face value you know we don't make that we're not making that collector money so if we can sell (laughs) if we can sell them we'd rather sell them than have someone sit on them and sell them later so there are some that are limited just maybe by like something like empty bottle we had a limited number of posters to start with so you know or Mm. something you know some of the smaller runs aaron does he's just kind of doing on his own and a lot of those are built out of pieces that maybe we don't have enough to do an infinite run of. But but for, for the quarterly editions, we always shoot to make, you know, more than we know we're going to sell. Like, you know, if it's sold out quickly, that's fine. But we don't want it to sell it immediately. And we don't want to be sitting on them for two years because that's inventory. No. That we're,
0: and you've got retailers. I mean, this is right, the thing. Right. This isn't just... Although, like... You are a small company in Chicago mm-hmm. making this this very collectible thing. Like you say, it's, big, it's it's gone worldwide. You have to make enough for retailers right. as well because there's now retailers selling them and displays and and the you know yeah. there's places over here that sell them like Nero's notes are. Of, of harness that, but it's part of a bigger thing as well because it's like the whole pencil market and sure,
1: sure, um, yeah, and yeah, you know, we and we call them limited editions, but the intentions never to like make them collectible. The intentions just to kind of keep new ones coming all the time and keep it interesting. Yeah, for us as much as anyone, like you know, we get bored with the craft. You know, I've gone back to like you know, like craft. I use craft as much as anything, but you know, it's just you know designing these things over and over again. Like each time you take on a new one, it's it's a new project and there's something new to learn from it. And that's, you know, we're learning about new papers, new printing techniques, you know, using using ink that changes color, doing die cuts, doing embossing. Uh, we did UV ink that you was did, like, like black you light. You know, like, yeah, snow, you uh, know, do, snow blind. Doing a little weird, in. yeah, doing little weird like inserts, like the, the, the spy decoder disc, you know, or the yeah. or the uh, lunar modules and stuff that, you know, the, the, it's just figuring that kind of stuff out just keeps it interesting for us. And we're doing it for us as much as anyone.
0: And you've done collaborations in different sizes uh, as mm-hmm. well, because, um, like, I think you're coming up to well, the the next edition is your fiftieth quarterly, right. And and that's not just fifty sets. I mean, there's collaborations you've done. Oh right, there's with, the fifty limited editions, and then and, yeah, we've got yeah, yeah, maybe fifty
1: editions, maybe twenty projects that or twenty products that we kind of always have in stock. Um, yeah, and then yeah, but we do. It's hard to say a number, but you know, several at least kind of uh, retail collaborations with maybe like LL Bean or Carhartt or uh, like we did the one with the Empty Bottle or we did one with Third Man Records, you know, so we do a lot of that kind of thing. And then we also do tons and tons of ones that never really even get seen, Uh, just custom jobs for maybe a company that wants notebooks with their logo on the back, you know, to use in house. And this year was slow for that, but normally we, we might do 80 or even 100 of those a year, you know, the conditions that the collectors don't even know about.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and those
1: are almost, we pre-print craft covers and then we can imprint and, you know, and have bodies in stock yeah. and then we can print the, print the image on the back real easily. So that's, you know, that's a big chunk of our business that isn't really out in the collector market because when those do leak out, like, you know, we, we tell the companies like kind of, you might want to keep this to yourself because it's a promotional item and they're not allowed to sell it, you know, so like... yeah as soon as someone finds one of those like anyone that works at the company i know there was a what do we do we did one for a conference in australia i think like a design conference or something a tech conference in australia and someone got a hold of the exhibitor list at the conference and, and emailed every exhibitor at the conference trying to buy the book like 3 years later you know people are like
0: <laughs> wow people were
1: emailing us like what the hell is this and i've had yeah i've had friends you know that like uh oh like michelle goes to we 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 did uh what's it called it's not around anymore uh, a fashion show a fa- not a fashion show but like a fashion um a men's fashion trade show every year because we would not do all really. well there. you know like we were selling well in boutiques so we would go you know be like a nice thing to sell at the counter at like a at a fashion boutique kind of place and uh and we would do a book for them every year and we started finding out like field notes were like sneaking into these conferences trying to like get people's books from them and stuff so so yeah the, uh the field nuts are are pretty sneaky and you know like that yeah. Yeah, we didn't really come back to that, but yeah, that's uh, the Facebook group Field Nuts is sort of our unofficial fan club, and it's yeah. it's ninety five percent it's ninety five percent super awesome and flattering, and there's also some people that take it a little too seriously.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, some of the detective work and like they say, I, I remember seeing um, and what's really cool is uh. I, I always liken this feeling to a joke. Billy, I think it's Billy Connolly said. He said, "No matter, even if you're driving down uh, a country lane in the black of night, you will you, you will see the tail of a rabbit jumping around. Mm-hmm. Your eye will oh, yeah. see it." And and I notice now more when I'm reading magazines and looking at things or watching TV. It's like you can see if there's field notes. Oh, there, yeah, yeah, you, get, yeah you, get, sure. you get you get you you take a bit of ownership on it and go, oh yeah, field notes, is <laughs> not it? That's really cool. And I know those guys. I remember seeing. I think it was Air Mexico put a set mm-hmm. in their kind of first class. Right. Or there's like a conference. Know, there's Waze Goose mm-hmm. used them, and it's it's actually quite quite a, th- a weird little thrill when you find oh, yeah. one that. And uh, my favourite one was Union Binding because somebody i love anything yellow and orange it's just a really nice color scheme and i remember someone posted a video on instagram that got taken down and it was a print machine running and there was a copy um there was a field notes edition running through and i straight away mm-hmm. I recognised it as it was field notes but then the video went missing so but I remember seeing a bit of the logo and I recognised it yeah. so I looked on Aaron's poster and there it was Union Binding so I thought hmm interesting well yeah we're he in done England. work he did we're... the
1: logo and everything too you would worked a lot yeah.
0: so because over in the UK like it's harder for like dead, the deader editions and dead editions when we're like you know six weeks before we get anything right. so so when I saw it, I thought, oh, what the hell, they're really nice. I wouldn't mind a set of them. I bet we're not even going to get a lick at those because they'll be sold in some American store or you know, that we'll never get near. So I looked them up and I emailed their marketing team and said, look, I hope you don't mind me asking, but I think I saw a video and it looks like you're doing a collaboration with Field Notes now and Aaron Um, I just wondered how how they are going to be distributed um and the guy in the marketing came back fair to him and he said how the hell did yeah, you right, find right. that it's <laughs> and, <right. laughs> yeah and i and i just said well it was, it was just a recognizable thing i'd seen enough of aaron's work and and obviously i know the aesthetic of field notes and uh he said the fair play to you he said we are doing it we are working on the thing with aaron um and he sent me two packs as as a kind of <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what? You've sussed this out. Yeah. Just don't pub. Just don't All post right. them yeah, anywhere. It's, yeah, it's... And I didn't. I you know I I sent him a really nice thing back and said if there's anything from England I can get you. But that was like the first time I really saw a pack and kind of did that thing of I really want to get. A... And then obviously it came out as the snow boots yeah. and 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 that came with the packs. But there are ones that are favourite. So. You, as a graphic designer, let's go back to you being a graphic designer. I should say
1: designer. I don't have a pack of those, for what it's worth.
0: <laughs> I don't, yeah. Well, if you want a pack, I've got a spare one. <laughs> um You, as a graphic designer, what was the first time you kind of cut your teeth on you got to decide what an edition was and got to be involved in the design process or the idea process?
1: It's hard to say. Because you uh...
0: must get. You, you you guys must have a think ta- like a field notes think tank where you're coming up with ideas and like you say you've got a plan paper you've got a plan print yeah. and that kind of stuff I mean, we, do yeah you, we do sort you have of have a...
1: an index of ideas that we talk about like like national parks are something we've been talking about ever since county fair and we just didn't know how to make it work you know and so we kept coming back to it and then finally with 59 parks that made sense and you know we were able to figure out a way to do it Uh, you know, but yeah, and there's just other just sort of subjects or materials or things or, or, or printing methods that we kind of have in the back of our heads that we come with. There's, it's really not very organized. We kind of, you know, just sort of, usually it's, uh, usually it's Jim comes up with something and then kind of pitches it and then I get it worked up and then he changes his mind and pitches something else. And I work that up and then he pitches something else and changes his mind and I work that up and then the third or fourth time he'll pitch something up and we'll be getting really late. And uh, I'll work out kind of how to make it work. And that's kind of how it usually goes. Um, so, I mean, you know, maybe the ideas are more Jim and then the implementation is more me From in most cases. And then Aaron's involved at some point and just kind of looking him over and, and, you know, and maybe pitch, putting his stamp on it. A lot of times if there's a logo or something like that, he'll do that. Uh, you know, Aaron's pitched, you know, a few obviously have come from Aaron straight and we've stuck mostly to that. So, it's it's really hard to say, like, you know, if there's, like, one we did our way, you know, uh, but I don't know, yeah you know, I'm trying to think, looking back. I was like, going to say, is
0: there a set that's special to you I that mean, you always kind of think of because that was the one you, like, that was my idea, that yeah, was my design?
1: Like, I don't, yeah it's just hard to even, it's like, pinpoint where the ideas came from because it's such a weird process, but night sky was one of my favorites however we came up with that idea i kind of feel like maybe i made it what it was you know the illustration of the stars on the back was just so much work like going through these astronomical charts and redrawing star maps and learning Mm. i learn a lot when i'm doing these too um and then we wanted to do glow in the dark stars and did a whole bunch of tests of glow in the dark ink and different papers and stuff and couldn't get it really to work right so we ended up doing the holographic stars but i always loved the way that one came out um Doing any of like the I I was a big fan of letterpress. So doing the early ones with Dan Barron, um, like uh, oh, two Ravens. Well no, no, like Ravenswing. Before like oh. Ravenswing and, and Butcher Green, like to get to use that process there, you know, right, for okay, the first yeah. time. Um I was really happy to do that. And I think, you know, that was kind of when we really started looking at different kinds of printing rather than just using different color paper and ink. Uh and then going into Two Rivers for sure. Two Rivers is, is maybe the one I'm the most proud of. It was just, I think that was probably mostly my idea. Uh, Matt at, well, Matt at Field Notes had been there and had worked with them a little bit and, and had had classes there and understood it more. So it was probably his idea, but like the two of us really sold that hard. And, you know, and then we got to make the donation to the museum as part of it too. Mm-hmm. And just if you look back, like at my, you know, the original ideas and kind of the plan we have for it, I think that's one that just came out exactly how I pictured it. And, you know, and French was involved and it was just everything. It was so much work. And this came typography,
0: out. it's just all beautiful typography. Yeah, you know, and, and, it, was, and well, it was hands like, on
1: like Aaron and Matt and I got to go up there and set type, you know, actually set the metal type and the wood type and, and lock it down. And, you know, and then and Jim printed it all and stuff and he organized it all and set the, you know, and it was just it was this huge, complicated process and it all worked out great. And I just look at those and I'm just really proud that we helped the museum and brought like letterpress printing to more people's attention. But also just the way they look is just I, I don't know. Like, I think that's just maybe my favorite one. And then we just did this universe, uh, United States of Letterpress, which is a similar sort of idea. That was Michelle's idea, because after we did. After we did uh, Two Rivers, we wanted to work with more of the, we, we, we go to their Waze Goose conference every year, which I hate to even tell mm. people about because it's like a wonderland it's It's the best it's like my favorite weekend of the year it's so great it's just like this huge you know and it's it's just far enough outside design that i love it like it it overlaps with what i'm interested in so i learn so much every year they have the best speakers Mm. and it's so small and insular you know like eric speakerman or uh you know, whoever's there is, you know, it's just this famous designer will be there hanging out with everyone, just getting drunk and talking, you know, and it's just like, it's such, a, mm. it's such a hands-on great thing. And I hate to even tell people about it cause I don't want it to get too big, but I also tell,
0: about, tell them about what I also, right,
1: I also <laughs> yeah. want Hamilton to get people come into it. Cause it's a worthy, it's, it's just the best conference. And, uh, but, uh, Oh, so we wanted to, we met all these printers at these ways conferences. We were going to all these great people that we wanted to work with, but to print, you know, Nine hundred thousand, or what would it be? Ninety thousand, or whatever you know. To print that many books is just—I'm not even thinking the numbers now. We do. We, yeah, we've so been doing 30, like forty thousand packs, so, or you know, yeah. thirty thousand packs. So that's ninety thousand books, books, you know, uh, which is an awful lot. Uh, for you know, for a small person using like a sheet-fed, like maybe even mm. not even motorized press to print. So Michelle had the idea, why don't we get a bunch of different printers involved from around the country? And that was an amazing idea. So that was another one that just took months of planning and Matt really that was the one. Matt did almost all the legwork on that one and, and all the all the logistics and and that's another one I'm really super proud of. Like everyone that worked on that edition is just a great person to know and I'm so glad we <laughs> got to like work with them, you know.
0: Yeah and it makes you look them up. That's the nice thing is yeah. that because you now do that history thing and you do the video there's a story behind it. And and it makes you go and investigate those people. Now talking of design then because there's the, something you and I've been talking about um chatting to each other was this talk you just done that the, the forensics of design. Let's just chat yeah. about that for <laughs> yeah, a minute sure. because that I know that was uh, the dime novel edition was kind of around that thought process but just uh, talk about this because i was really interested in it because i think i've come across the same thing but didn't think of it like you had yeah and, uh,
1: it's uh, it, yeah it's just sort of like a, i don't know if it's a theory or just sort of like a way of thinking i have about it but it's forensics maybe isn't the exact right word but a word for it but it sounds good um looking at design i think when I was in college, maybe design history was just starting to become a thing where, you know, where there were actually books of here's the history of design. Um, and uh, like any history, I think it sort of ended up being <laughs> here is the most famous white guy of this decade of design, you know, and it sort of centers around that. And and and, and I think young designers or people getting in design sort of end up focusing on these sort of overarching visual trends and and personalities and and styles from a certain era like if you look up 60s design you're going to see a certain palette and a certain typefaces and there's a reason for that but there's also i think like you need a deeper understanding to do it right and i think that's the thing if there's anything i bring to field notes and anything field notes brings to the world it's that we we try to get a deeper understanding of why things mm. looked like they did not looking at the surface and saying it's this color and this shape and this type was used but like why were those decisions made and what other people were involved and what led up to this happening and like who was forgotten in this process and what did other things look like uh Like one of the this isn't really a design example, but like if you if you're invited to a sixties party, right? You know, like a sixties dress up party, (laughs) you're gonna put on beads and like a fringe vest and like a long hair wig and a headband and round sunglasses. And that was one percent of people in the sixties. You know, that's that's what's remembered as being the sixties, but you know, like I, I you know, if I was going, I would wear you know like a polyester short sleeve shirt, a pocket protector, and like yeah. these glasses. You know, and look like I was on the NASA, you know, NASA station or something. Like, you know, like you know, or look like you know, like Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson or something. Like, you don't want to, uh, uh, you don't want to, just assume that like the popular sort of style of that era was actually ubiquitous because it never was. And there's always like a million other things out there that are maybe more interesting or, yeah. or at least haven't been. You know, and most things had a purpose. Inspiration. So, so, you know, so that's kind of what started it. So, yeah, finding things like finding things like that Beatle Brothers, uh, the Beatles dime novels that our dime novel edition was based on, uh, like going in deeper, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's weird. They were making these weird kind of paperback books with an orange cover. But, you know, really digging into that, like finding out the press, the, it was a new press printing technology that made it possible to do that paper was getting cheaper. They were using that orange paper because that was left over from something else you know, they, they were in this big print district in New York that had good distribution they had good connections. Like, you know, what made that Mm. happen? It's not just this arbitrary choice of orange paper. You know, there was like so many factors that went into that and you get into these historical rabbit holes of, of just learning more and more about it. So, yeah, so I just did a talk with my, uh, my, I went to Ohio university and I've been, I've done a few talks there and, uh, I kind of came up with this list. It's arbitrarily a hundred things just to look for. And I made this, it's, uh, you know, just look at like, where did the photography come from? How was it reproduced? How was it halftone? Like, you know, where, how, why was it chosen? Was it clip art? Did they hire a photographer? Is there an existing contact sheet you could look at and see why they chose the image they did from that? You know, and if you really, you know, if you look at design from this sort of, lots of people coming together and making lots of choices to make it happen rather than this one smart guy had a cool idea. You know, I think you learn a lot more from it. So when you look at some of it Uh, and you think, actually have the list, you kind of forget this stuff
0: wasn't, they didn't have computers. Like how did they, who, who decided this is going to have this kind of Double exposure and a half tone? What what the hell did they use to make that? And like you say, it's made for a reason. It was designed for a reason.
1: Right. And it, and it's almost always related to technology too, which is funny. And I don't think people maybe realize that like almost every design choice is related to technology. Like, like David Carson couldn't have done that without, you know, the what he did without computers. Uh, you know, Dayglo ink in the sixties was new, you know, it was a new technology. Yeah. It wasn't like they were using Dayglo ink in the 1920s because it wasn't popular. It just wasn't around. Uh, you know, the way the way maybe like Bill Graham concert posters were printed, like the you know the psychedelic type of that. It wasn't they weren't going out and finding a psychedelic font. It was just they could draw that type by hand on a screen, you know, directly on a screen maybe, you know, and 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 it would look cool and it was something that was forgiving of the printing process, you know, and they could use a lot of different colors, you know, and, and you know they and and you know if you look through, you know, they would print the tickets and the and the handbills on the same sheet as the poster to save, you know, just put one pull, you know, just all these efficiencies and all these production techniques and all these technological changes that, mm. that didn't even influence the design, but dictated the design, you know? And I, I, I think that's lost on a lot of people, and I think that's where Field Notes hopefully gets it right, even if we're not – like Dime Novel, we didn't letterpress the covers as they would have originally letterpress the covers because it wasn't efficient, but we you know, we debossed the ink a little bit to give it that effect. We tried to – you know, we print. You know, like I go, I go to press checks. Our regular Field Notes, we just use black ink for the words Field Notes on it, and anytime we go to a new printer, they'll hit that, you know, as dark as they can. And I go, no, 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 we got to lighten that way up. Like, cause they, you know, you just want, you know, you notice weird things like, oh, that yeah. the black is, you know, you look at old printed stuff. The black is never as dense as it would be now. You know, maybe the, you know, like that, what was the one edition we did? Uh, uh, America, the beautiful, which was sort of influenced by old travel, you know, triple travel maps or whatever. And we, that was the first one we ever did like a full color image on the cover but we wanted to make it look. You know, we didn't want to just print a, a you know, super high res halftone four color picture. So we went back and looked at maps, and you know, we decided like, well, we'll use like a 120 line screen, and purposefully <laughs> knock it out of register so that it looks, it looks old fashioned like we want. And you know, and I'm at the printer, and they're like, we can't do 120 line screen on a rip, like right. we never do that. So we had to like make the line screen in Photoshop, you know, and then, and then on press, you know, we're like, you know, like, like. You know, they were like, I'm like, oh, it's two and right. You know, can you knock it out of register? It's like the machine doesn't even go that far out of register. So we had to like actually, you know, it's just so much work to get it to look the way we wanted. And the and the you know the pressmen were just cracking up. They're like, no one has ever asked us to knock something out of register before.
0: You did you did a little uh, the water decal. Yeah, um, I mean, I and love that was one, that one. of the things I was going to say. You just did the decal for the uh, 59 yeah. parks, and you did a really cool uh, little kind of um, write up mm-hmm. of how you kind of. You wanted the font to be right, but it didn't it, it didn't exist. Yeah, it didn't exist as a typeface. Right, that was some
1: more forensics there, yeah.
0: As many of the letters <laughs> that you could see on signs and kind of rebuild it and but Yeah, well t- yeah, I ended t- up
1: finding it. Someone had redrawn it for the First
0: Forest service and I found it
1: like in one of their manuals. So I found the original type, but then I had to recreate some letters and Yeah, and it was weird. Like I still I uh, I'm putting the word out. I actually met a couple people who have contacted me since then with a little more information, but I'm hoping at some point you know, I'll find out who originally drew that type. Like, I would love to know stuff like that. I get really hung up on you know, like just finding out like for no reason. Like, I, like I have a jukebox, and there are these letters that go in the jukebox, and and I couldn't find them anywhere, so I reproduced them, and I found one sample and built the whole alphabet out of that, and then and then as I've been doing it, I've met more and more people that are involved in, in jukeboxes, and they have uh, you know, more and more samples of other models and other, you know, ways, systems of lettering and everything. And I've started doing more. And, uh, and then finally, like the, the mother load I'd been looking for came up on eBay where this guy was selling, this, this giant is giant boxes full of this stuff. So I bought all this stuff and I just kind of almost started like this side hustle selling these letters now, which is the least profitable uh, business in the world. But, but someone posted like an auction to them and said like the world's <laughs> foremost authority on jukebox lettering said this. And I was like, oh, I guess I am because no one else cares about this. But, uh, yeah but it's just like finding these weird little corners of things I'm interested in you know I mean that's like one of the biggest inspirations for what we do like i don't i I kind of have tended to avoid a i g a and design events and design conferences and design podcasts because there's inspiration out there everywhere and it's you know and and, and I'm just a sucker for getting my hands dirty like I'm into scooters and you know I'm old McCann, I just got my friend just uh, Matt actually from field nest just gave me a victrola which is my dream. There's no wires in it. It's like something I can like actually understand how every single piece of it works. Um, so I've been rebuilding this Victrola now, you know, and it's just like, like, like just even doing those mechanical things and seeing how, how, or, you know, how a vest was put together, like the, the, the form and function of how the engine fits into the body, why the body was pressed the way it was like, they were an aircraft manufacturer. So they had like, you know, the machinery they had was made like the front wheel of a, of a vintage Vespa is like an aircraft landing, you know, a landing uh, aircraft, you know, it's like a one-sided hub with like a spring on it. Like it was just like what they knew and, and, and just learning like, again, like why these decisions, why these design and production decisions were made and how they work together is I think kind of my main thing as far as, (laughs) is design understanding. I like, I like just, I like being involved. I think a lot of designers are like, here's my art. And they send it off to the printer and don't think about it. I would never dream of not going to a press check. Or not like looking over the front of your shoulder. Like I need to be involved all the way through and really understand every piece of the puzzle. You know.
0: So, go, with the with the field notes, I mean, obviously the the series that's just come out, "Snowy Evening," is probably mm-hmm. one of the most uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of, one of we'll talk about it in a second because it is probably the most up, like the most modern thing. I think you've probably done. Yeah, one of but, them. For um, sure, yeah. F- f- like, how far? How far ahead? Because I. I <laughs> There's, there's one thing I, I did want to ask you about the next edition um, without giving anything away, because this is one of the things uh, is, uh, I'm going to go all over the place now. S- sure. y- you managed to keep each edition so quiet and so secret that I said once in a in one of the <laughs> live chats you did, you are the Price Waterhouse Cooper of, of notebooks. You managed to keep it a secret pretty much 99% of the time right up to the day. Now, given the process like the considerations you have to make like paper like i won't say what Mm -hmm. we were talking about but the other day we were talking (laughs) about colored paper and uh, about particular edition and you said oh yeah we could kind of think of that but we have to plan for it so like how Mm -hmm. many how often in advance like uh, do you know what all of 2021 will be oh god no Right, so, yeah, so like, are you that fine? Because if you're that far in advance, it's harder to keep that no, secret. No, we should,
1: yeah. We really should work that way because it's getting to the size and the scale now where we need to plan ahead better. Um, but it's, yeah, we have a pretty, we're like, the general turnaround is like when an edition's coming out, I am frazzled, I do all the photography too, so I'm frazzled doing all the product photography right before the launch. And then usually right after the launch, once it's in the hands of pack and ship, you know, and I'm kind of out of it, that's when I really start in earnest working on the next edition. And, uh, and this time it's a little weird cause we're all, you know, with COVID we, we haven't brought in extra pack and ship people. And we're all going in a couple nights a week and on weekends and stuff to help out with packing. Cause it's just <laughs> like this, this time of the year, I mean, we're lucky we have so many orders coming in and it's great, but it's, uh, it's really hard to keep up with, with only having a few people in the office at a time and keeping everybody safe. So, uh, so we're a little behind on spring, but that's lucky because the spring edition we, is the one where we have a little extra time anyway. So yeah, just time wise, there's an extra month or so built in there. But we have a yeah. Jim and I just had a meeting today about spring. We've got a pretty solid idea what we're going to do. Um, it's it's our fiftieth limited edition, as you said. So there is certainly um,
0: more pressure. Some self, some, <laughs> well,
1: yeah, but also some self referential back padding in there. You know, like historical stuff that we're talking about doing. So, yeah, so for spring, uh, you know, we have it pretty well planned out. We are doing, it will be related to, obviously, since it's the 50th edition, there will be some sort of historical kind of back padding, you know, like uh, tied into that. And we just. So yeah, so so yeah, and that's pretty much. So that's what spring will be, and uh, oh, that's you know, awesome. in summer we have. That's... Yeah, I think it's gonna be really popular, and then summer is uh, <laughs> summer. We have a vague idea, but we're still nailing it down. Actually, fall we have a pretty good idea for it too.
0: Okay, so like you say, as it starts to expander, because you have as each year rolls by, you are getting bigger and bigger. There is that little mm-hmm. bit of pressure because you know I know you know launch day. I wanted to ask you about a launch day because that I find <laughs> that really fascinating. Is you know, there's a, there's a a lot of anticipation for what it's going to be. A lot of guessing. You throw out some clues. You always chuck those emails out with a picture that says, by the way, this picture has nothing to do with yeah, the best. Yeah, I hate those always, pictures. I wish yeah. Jim wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, but it builds up the excitement. And it's yeah. always funny to see that feedback of... I mean, do you ever... Well, it's funny because sometimes someone almost always gets it right.
1: But since 700 people are guessing, like it doesn't know. Really yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and if someone
0: <laughs> guesses on launch day, it's fine. Cause it builds right. the anticipation. But yeah, yeah. like when you like Alan and I've written books and like, if you're in the music industry, you never like reading the reviews. I mean, do you guys yeah. read the reviews when, when there's like an edition yeah. that has just gone down like a lead balloon? Yeah, it's,
1: it's hard to not take it personally, but it's, What was it? Uh, uh, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco just... Someone, I think, posted a quote from him saying, I always love when our new record comes out because everyone stops talking shit about the last record or something. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty much how it works, right? Like like everyone, you know, like... Like additions that people just lost their minds about how much they hated them like five years ago or three years ago are just wildly beloved now and they're the greatest one we ever did, you know? So you can't take it too seriously. Yeah. And Field field Nuts are, you know, like... you know, was, you know, we we take their advice, not advice, we take their, you know, we, we read it and we look at it and we take it to heart. But on the other hand, that's like a very small percentage of our overall
0: oh, yeah. market,
1: you know, so you can't take it too personally. And, and, you know, you know, and occasionally there's, you know, there's a gripe that's totally legit. But I think it's just a lot of times I have a theory on that, actually, that and this goes across to like all Internet purchasing and products Mm. and everything if you look at comments on anything it's almost always like i would buy this if oh yeah and i and i think like nine times out of ten like crap like just you know like like (laughs) those kind of comments are just people Like I want to buy this, and I need to justify not buying it. Like my wife will kill me if I buy another stupid notebook. So I'll say, well, if it's a graph paper, I would buy it. Like, why would you? Like, otherwise, why would you go to a site and look it up and then type that comment in? You know, like I don't understand what that accomplishes. So I think I think it's just people talking to themselves, like trying to find excuses not to like not to buy something. Yeah, but yeah, it's funny. This winter one was, I can't like almost exclusively like ecstatic people loved it and it's it was creepy because that's never happened (laughs) like once there there are some like some of my favorites came out and i'm like we did no wrong with this one this is one of my favorite ones ever and people be like what were you thinking and you know and and when i'm proud of it you know like it it, it's annoying but it's like i know i did it i know we did it the way we wanted to do it i know it's great and i know once people get it in their hands they're gonna like it like summer the 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 heavy duty i think people were kind of Mean about that at first, and once people actually now they love them, it. They re- yeah, yeah, they love it. So it's hard, you know, it's hard to to judge until you, you're actually using it and seeing how it works out. But but yeah, like that was it. It was almost un- it was almost unsettling how positive, <laughs> <You can't laughs> positive the done. response to Twitter was. <laughs> I hope people still like it after they get it.
0: Well, Alan's had my subscription turn up. It's the ones with the snowflake. So there were ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine books. and yeah, we made sure
1: you book- got o o
0: Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, there is nine ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine e- exclusive, like different snowflakes, because mm-hmm. that's what snowflakes do. And you worked with Brendan, who's from mm-hmm. Manchester, which was nice because it's a kind of a UK thing uh, and also the the process of so i'm going to speak to brendan as well but that process of making every single one different i Brandon mean it's f- going to
1: be a lot more interesting than i
0: am yeah <laughs> he, yeah it's going to be a lot of maths and that's my weak spot um <laughs> but it's, it it was it's a lovely you know it's a lovely color um i did want to ask you because i tried to replicate the belly band and i know you're going to say no you didn't use it but i <laughs> but i was able to replicate the belly band with stippelism
1: Nope. Jim came up with that somewhere. I think it was clip art or like, a, yeah, like just a, like a vector download clip art oh, kind of thing. Yeah, and then I modified it, was... it quite a bit from the original just to get the transparency right and everything. But uh, yeah, that it's could have really been nice Yeah, that was just something where he had already sort of, he kind of sent me the belly band kind of the way he... Had it in mind and and I thought it looked great, so I just kind of copied it verbatim off what he had Because for those
0: listening, because of you Jim, know, Jim where designs I work.
1: in Photoshop, much to my detriment. Oh, I know,
0: I know. Yeah. So <laughs> I I want the day when because I know I know there's one edition you have used some of our to- one of our tools on, which I'm, I've am I'm, used
1: Stipulism like for some yeah for half halftones, little pieces of half here and there and stuff like that. So that's
0: been quite nice. But I'm waiting for the day where a whole design is is designed by yeah. you in Illustrator and it's used one of our one of our plugins, and I will like hold it aloft on a chair like a king
1: <laughs> yeah i've used some of the alignment tools and stuff too yeah i i'm like I, I we talked about this the other day uh you know i i remember cracking the seal on adobe illustrator 88 when it yeah. came out you know and using that so i was like a i was an like illustrator god for a while like you know i've been using it so long and i'm just so out of touch with newer stuff like like half the stuff that has been added since it was creative suite i don't <laughs> i'm not even aware of you know there's just so many features there and like the features i use i'm really good with and then I'm really bad about learning new ones, so I'm trying to... I actually, same with photography, like, I was using... I know, you know, I know Photoshop, 1999 Photoshop really well, and I just haven't really grown with the product much, so I'm sure there's a lot of things I do way more complicated ways than <laughs> than I have to, and I just sort of forced myself... I do all those white background photos, and I was just forcing myself to kind of learn a better way to do that, and I think I did... Uh, but like I wasn't even used, I, I've hated Lightroom ever since it came out. So I was actually using Aperture for a long time to sort and edit my photos, and you know that kind of had all the tools I needed. That was like you know the basics that were all in Photoshop a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, once they discontinued that, I had to move all my photos into Photos. So now I've been trying to force myself to use Lightroom and starting to get used to it. But I still have some qualms with it.
0: Oh, I've had to use, I've had to learn. I've had to learn to, to use really Illustrator dumb. badly. To, to understand what we do that like improves it because i have to <laughs> yeah, know right. i have to know what illustrator can't do to know what it can do but we're, we're not here to talk about talk about me launch day i wanted to ask you this okay uh, okay so on a launch day um obviously like people you you put a teaser out it's going to be the first or second of december what's what's launch day like for you guys in the office because
1: yeah you, let me there's back up a, a little process more, you have we, yeah. to do and you know Right, it's it's gotten so big. I mean, we have so many subscribers now. I mean, if you back up, maybe a couple. You know, all of it's dependent on production, and sometimes there's hiccups in production. And when you think about all the steps involved, even if there's not any die cutting or foil stamping or anything crazy, just you know, printing the covers, printing the bodies, folding, cutting, binding belly banding, stapling, sheet crapping, you know, it's all the steps that are involved and then shipping it to us. You know, we work with printers in the area, so it's just trucking. But, you know, like there's just a lot of flexibility in there. So, you know, adds a day here or sometimes they can save a day or we can get a partial shipment or whatever. So so we know how many subscribers we need and we usually kind of work with the printers and have a pretty good idea when we're going to have enough to start packing subscribers' orders. And we can't ship those too early because... And we actually, you were asking about leaks and stuff. We did... Somehow, I still don't know how it happened. We shipped out five subs, maybe uh like two weeks early once <laughs> and a guy some guy you know and I, luckily none of the field nuts got him i don't think but like some guy in you know like i think it was like a high school kid in florida got one and like emailed us a question about it. i'm like wait 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 where the hell did you get that? <laughs> You know like we just got them like two days ago and he got them like two days after we got them and i and it, like <laughs> lost my mind i'm like what i like almost had a seizure it was so upsetting oh, no. and he's like i got it in the mail from you guys and i'm like what really and he showed me the packaging and i'm like i don't have any idea <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't tell anyone about. It. I think that was maybe three missions, like the the uh, the Mercury Gemini. Oh yeah,
0: the space set. Yeah.
1: And so yeah, and it was like long, but anyway. So so we have a good idea when we'll have enough to kind of be ready to ship subscriptions, and then they start coming in in batches after that. So we have enough to start fulfilling order regular orders. Um, and, but we can't ship the subs before kind of. We used to ship them like a, you know maybe a few days before launch day just because we like the subscribers to get them kind of before we revealed it to the rest of the world. But with Field Nuts and the Internet now, it just you can't do that because people in Chicago might get them the next day and then they'd be out in the world for days before we announce it. So uh, so we actually launched to shops first, which has been one of the – we had a couple of leak problems with shops, but we cracked down on that pretty hard. <laughs> um, so we usually give – we didn't this time because we were running a little late, but we usually give shops a few days head start so they can order some and have them in stock you know, mm-hmm. as soon as possible once we announce it. Uh and then also as we start getting samples and sometimes even before, sometimes I'll have to make up mock-ups from press sheets and I have to cut up the books myself. Or I yeah. you, know, you have to even, do the film as well. Even, yeah, or even make a blank cover and just Photoshop the logo on there for the product yeah. photography, at least for the first few things. But that's yeah, that's like the craziest period period for me because I'm going to the press checks, I'm going to the binary checks. Then I'm getting I have to do tons and tons of product photography because we need all the different angles that we usually have, and some close-ups, and you know stuff for marketing and stuff for Instagram and everything. So I, you know, usually kind of have a whole day or two of photography in there, and then a lot of a couple days of editing the photos, and then that kind of. And then meanwhile, Steve's working on the film. I'm often helping helping him with that. Uh, this year's been weird because Steve's done the films mostly by himself, off in his uh, in his studio at home, but. Uh, you know, sometimes that involves us flying somewhere or, you know, like working with someone or, you know, tons of work or tons of logistics for that. So Steve's racing to get the film ready. Usually we do the the, the wholesale launch without the film just because then the wholesalers can't, could show, you know, couldn't share the film anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, so then it comes down to like the day before launch. We kind of nail everything down, make sure we've got uh, everything we need ready to go. We ship international subs a few days before we launch because those are going to take forever to get there anyway. Mm. Then we launch the... So people, that's that's something if you're a subscriber they don't understand, like we print the labels out a few days before we ship or even a, even a week or two before we ship sometimes just to get that done. So people are expecting them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They and that's go, always it's been confusing been too. You it's might, like, get, no. you might get, yeah, you get your label notification like long before it actually ships. But uh, yeah, and then we usually ship, you know, depending on what day a week it is, we'll ship a day or two before before we announce it and then on launch morning yeah we usually everything's kind of ready to go we get the film uploaded and uh on Vimeo. you know we can't make that live till the very last second
0: mm. we
1: write up you know in our in our content management system we write up all the posts and get all the photos in place and get that all ready and then uh we're using a new mailing system now we used to mail all in one big batch and then that would get all sometimes that would get all jacked up so we started Doing multiple batches, then we went back to one batch with, and that was working all right. But now we have a new system where we can target things like, uh, like we do the D and D books now. So we could we could send out a mail only to people that bought the D and D books, which we've right. never been able to do before. So we have this new system. So while we're testing that, we've been doing it in batches again over the course of the day. So maybe four batches over the course of the day. Out to everyone, and at the same time, we make the we make the video public, and then make the page public, and then like you know, like you were saying, the field notes are there. Is people that have sniffers or something on the page because like seconds after we post the video and the new site, like people have it up on the page. So, I mean, there was a time where we would make it live but not publish the link, and people would still find it. So we had to stop doing that. (laughs) So, so you know, yeah, we do have to be really secretive about. I mean, like, like the printers, our printers have had people call and like pretend they work here, you know and ask questions about things, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know, you know, we have to be careful about what we throw in our dumpster and the printers, what they throw. I mean, they recycle most of their stuff, but oh, yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't know if that's happened too much, but we've had hints that maybe that's been happening. We've had to be very clear with printers. A couple of times printers, like, uh, maybe for per binding, they don't do that in-house and they'd send out to a subcontractor and then subcontractor would be like, oh, these are neat. And someone on press would grab a couple and give them to their mom and then their mom would post about them before uh-huh. they, you know, like, you know, not 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 maliciously at all, but like, it's just, that's a nightmare for us. So, <laughs> so we have to be very clear with any printer and subcontractor and anyone that we work with. But then, you know, most of them are used to that too. Like our printers are doing LPs, you know, LP covers for records that haven't come out yet, annual reports and Ikea mm-hmm. catalogs, you know, so they're, you know, they're, they're, they understand the importance of that but they just also few other companies have the sort of <laughs> devoted insane fans when, did, have, it be, when
0: did it become like when did it become a thing that it kind of has to be the secret because uh, you know you know an album is yeah. coming out weeks in advance you see you hear see and hear everything so you build up the anticipation Then when it comes people kind of know what they want what what was the thought process behind like keeping it such a secret because you do in the oh, anticipation yeah, like, on the days, like when's the email coming? What time it's always. Yeah, six that's a really in- good question, because it really
1: doesn't need to be. And we've I think there's been a couple of times where we I mean, we used to never even say, excuse me, what what day we were gonna launch on, and we've been doing that more often just because the the shops and the logistics are making yeah. it, you know, it's it's too too much pressure to just do it on a random day. Um but yeah, it's, it's really not that important. I don't know why it's become such a thing, but it's just sort of a source of pride now, I guess. I guess the fear is that if it was out, if we you know, you know if it leaked out a few days early, people would see it and say, oh, that's cool. And then maybe by the time it was available, they'd forget about it or not be, right. you know, not be as hyped up on it as they are, like if they know about it right away. Because we really do. I mean, like on a launch day, that's a huge day for us. We get tons of orders, you know, and so I think that helps just drive the interest in it. And then the film helps, you know, that it tapers off from there. But I mean, the film gives it a little more life that starts getting passed around. People link about them. And then once people start getting them, they start posting about them and sharing them, telling friends about it. So, you know, so there's just that sort of nice flow of like, yeah, you know, there's the a nice keep cycle. Going for a while after that. Yeah.
0: And it is a good, it's fun. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, it's it a is fun, fun thing. to keep it a there's secret. Not, yeah. There's not too many things that you get to buy in life that you don't really know anything about until the yeah. day it comes out and. Like you say, you're a subscriber, you get it the next day and people are sharing Yeah, I mean, it. That's,
1: that's a big regret is because it would be wonderful if subscribers could get them all before we announce it. You know, that would be a big... You know, that was kind of, I think, one of the big bonuses of subscribing at the beginning, but it's just not possible to do that now. It'd
0: be nice to have a... If you had like, um, oh, what do they call them? Like, I mean, a, at least a, those are a, in the seg- mail earlier. So a secret good. ten people, like where you can have a think, a, a, a brain trust. So, yeah. like, you pick ten people you can trust, and you go, look, we're going to do this edition. Like, playing some on the song, and you think this would be a good song, or or this one. So, like, yeah. do do you do do you do like any? market testing at all or is it just purely an in-house decision and you go guys this is the idea we're going to push it we hope they're going to love it we're going to process it and it's going to go out on this day
1: we actually did we did a survey once a long time ago i don't think we've done that in a long time just kind of asking like what's your favorite body paper you know what do you like about these editions and stuff i think we just have a pretty good idea for the crowd but even on top of that like we make them for ourselves i think really like i don't think i don't think if we got some sort of report of what would be the perfect best-selling notebook, I don't know if we'd even want to make that. Cause what fun is that for us? Like we want to make things we want to make and, and we get, you know, things that'll like get us excited. And if, you know, if we're making things that excite us and don't excite anyone else, I'd rather, be, you know, I want, I need to feed my family, but I also, I think, I think, you know, there's enough people out there that have the same interests we do that we we're lucky to, uh, to be able to kind of just go with our hearts for the most part.
0: Yeah. We get to do something, you can you can tell from what comes out of HQ that you love what you do. And you've got the excitement in-house that you do it. I mean, I'm, you know, like all places, you have days where things go wrong. But at the end of the day, you're making this really cool product. Everyone has fun doing it. I know it's probably stressful, you know, some of those things <laughs> you have to do. But what seems to come out of it is is that it seems to be a product that's got a lot of thought put into it. Probably more thought than... Uh, you know comp- your competitors i remember speaking to a very large um notebook retailer that we at that we worked with and i because i knew a field notes i said so who do you consider to be like your competitors and the first one they said was field notes and and which <laughs> surprised me because you you don't even make the same kind of book well right um, and, we're, yeah, and yet I mean, you, were, you were considered a a, a, a retailer that you know there, there's competition and it's on yeah a- there's a
1: there's a company that sells on amazon that basically you know a very large multinational company that makes <laughs> very similarly named and designed books to us you know that, that oh yeah. you know and they're you know and they get they buy amazon placement and stuff and you know i think you know, we actually get, we get customer service requests, like I got these books and I'm not really that happy, <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, Oh, those aren't our books actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, it's, it's easy to imitate what we do, but yeah, I think, I'd like to think that the fact that we're using, you know, USA materials, making everything USA and just really putting, putting our all into it. It's like, we're such a, like, people don't realize there's 10 of us there. You know, it's like, like we have this crazy, huge footprint and this, you know, everyone like this high visibility, but it really is this ridiculously small group of people making these things.
0: <laughs> I won't say it out loud, but I'm going to hold a piece of paper up and show you who the company was that said it.
1: Oh, no, yeah, no, that's a whole other story, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, yeah, they, I I don't, yeah, I have <laughs> things to say about them too. They, there's I, other companies, there's been other smaller companies too that have started since us, and they do some really neat stuff, and I don't have any problem with that. You know, like it's up to, you know, if they can... If they can attract people's attention and, and do good work, then good for them. We didn't invent these things by any means, no, you know. exactly.
0: And, I mean, they come. They, they I mean,
1: Aaron's, but, you know, we're knocking off old, you know. Old farmer's notebooks. notebooks. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's not, you know, and... and there's there's nothing stopping anyone from doing this it's just paper and ink you know exactly, yeah. <laughs> i'd like to you know it's paper and ink but like, you know i'd like to think that our our research and our thought process and our designs and you know our marketing and everything can like add some
0: value to it also and does your inbox get filled with because you must get i, I know what editions i like and i know what a- what additions i think would be really cool to use and then like you mm-hmm. bring something out and it's like oh like coastal i, I really loved coastal mm-hmm. I, I am a dot grid person i love dime novel i love eek i love rams there there are certain additions that i really like yeah. so i i know that you you must get like the can you remake can you remake um and then the emails of oh you should do this you should do mm-hmm. this it, it's like with book publishers or, or musicians when they get sent, oh, I've written this song or I've written this book. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't, you know. Do you yeah, we get, thing yeah, we where... get some
1: of that. And it's uh, it's usually, you know, a lot of it's really pretty cool stuff. But it's, I, I, try, I try not to look at it because it's surprisingly very often very similar to something even that we've maybe already done or that is in the works or something we're thinking of. You know, and it, it, it's... Mm-hmm. That sounds like a defensive but it's it's true like we have we've done so many of these things and we've had so many ideas over the last whatever 15 years. You've thought
0: all the that thoughts. There's,
1: you know that we've certainly not thought of everything but when someone sends us an idea it's very likely oh. something we've already thought of and a couple of times it's been very I've I've had to write back to people and be like I looked at this and I've got to tell you we're doing something very similar to this and there's no way at this time I could prove that we didn't steal your idea but I'm yeah. going to have to ask you like you know like we can't you know I just you know, or I'll write back and say I just didn't even look at it because I don't want them to think I looked at it. <laughs> but it's uh you know, I I, I I try not to even look at it. and it's a bummer because yeah, people do have good ideas. Um, a lot of times it's for something very specific. Like uh like people want bicycling notebooks or photography notebooks or diving notebooks. Hmm. And we've really avoided that because the more we the more specific we make a product we find, the more people Maybe going back to the I found an excuse not to buy this, like why didn't you do it this way kind of thing. Yeah, and like we made the we made with uh, oh my god my brain. Well, you um, detested the flight ones. yeah, with uh, with uh, Adam uh, Savage. Yeah, yeah, like Adam Savage was making his own homemade <laughs> flight logs with you know that said field notes on the front in future condensed because he's not a typographer, and. Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, you know, we had kind of been in contact with him a little bit and, you know, and sent him some stuff and everything. So we were back and was like, we'd be happy to make these for you just because it'd be a fun project. So we did it, you know, and I think that one went pretty well. But, you know, even then a lot of people were like, well, I need this and this and this. And, you know, with with something like photography, like I'm a photographer and I think what I would want in a notebook is 100% different than what, you know, many other people would want. I don't think – and we did, you know what? We did just redo that with D and D, and I think we nailed that. I actually feel really proud of what we did. We brought some really good people in to help us with that, and got a wide variety, wide variety of ideas. And it's still not going to be perfect for everyone, but I think we made a book that was perfect for what we, you know, like Matt and I play, and a bunch of our friends play. And we made what we wanted, and you know, and talked to enough other people that I felt confident that we really included everything that we should have in there. And and then we did a DM version, a game master version, that just came out too. So you know we we've touched on that stuff, but I just think the more specific it is, like if someone people come to us like, here's my layout for a diving journal, and I'm like, cool, take that to a designer and go to a printer and get some made. You probably sell them, you know, get hundred made yourself. Yeah, you know, like it's not that expensive. There's also there's so many print on demand companies now. You could just do it and test it out. Take it to a few dive shops, see it, you know, if they can sell it, send it to some blogs, and you know, that's all we did. You know, there's not there's nothing magic there. You just but that's just something like we we have two people who basically handle the retail sales and they can't start calling dive shops yeah. you know, like they're as busy as they can be you know and again, this goes back to how much do we want to grow or whatever but but as it stands, like those people are basically taking orders all day from our existing stores and dealing with new stores that come to us you know we don't really have a sales force, so you know there's like things like national parks and uh you know some of the other ones like uh for three missions we made we made a little bit of an effort to target uh planetariums and uh you know museum stores and Mm. things like that so we've made that little bit of an effort here and there but we can't totally ramp up an effort to like target a dive store for a diving journal or something like that like it's just it's too specific
0: for us plus you do the nice subscriber stuff as well so if you so this is the sales part for me if you've got this far and you've loved listening (laughs) to it you're a designer and you've sorry (laughs) and you've loved listening to this get a (laughs) subscription because i for, for a start um the 50th edition's coming up next year and everyone is anticipating that to be something this is a special. very good time to subscribe i will say yeah great i always to... say that
1: but i'll definitely say that
0: now yeah definitely subscribe but you do, you do have some really cool subscriber little gifts as well um i think everyone excused snowy evening because the amount of effort you put into that design <laughs> uh, well but just then... yeah
1: i'm you know what i I don't want to complain but the fact that we got anything done this year is, <laughs> yeah. i'm pretty proud like I, I i get that subscribers want their bonuses and we're going to make that up to them next year but yeah we it was a struggle to get anything done this year and i'm really proud of what we did
0: i was say how, how's this year how's this year been i mean you you've got i mean not
1: terrible but just like we, we had to che- our printer that we worked did most of our work with closed right as covid started they Ooh. they lost a lot of other business um, as a result of COVID and just couldn't go on. So they they were bought by a bigger printer who's a fantastic, uh, a really good, well-known local printer that, you know, we had kind of worked with a couple times before anyway. But, uh, you know, th- we're not uh, EDOC, which was the old printer, like just jumped through hoops for us and they were a great partner. And LCP has been great too, but they just, they have their schedules and we're kind of, you know, getting used to working together. Mm. So, you know, that, and they're farther away. Like I go to all the press checks and they're almost an hour away. Uh, so, so, you know, it's been a little bit of a learning curve with that and just getting used to the, you know, and then getting all the, you know, getting even the specs on new books we're reprinting transferred over to the new specs and things like that. But, uh, you know, it, working from home has been all right. Uh, you know, I, have had it easier than my kids, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and you know, and, and I'm lucky to, you know, we're lucky to most of us, the, uh, like the, the mailroom people have been going in all summer and there's only two of them, so they're there, you know, alone most of the time, and, and and Jim and Michelle go in pretty often, and then I go in once in a while if I need to use the Photo Studio or if I need to help pack orders. But it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been the worst. It's just nothing Nothing is easier for sure. You know, yeah. like any, any step of the process has been made that little bit harder by just having to work remotely and having to coordinate it over Zoom or whatever, so. so yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just... Uh, You know, in the supply lines, like mail, you know, what's been well documented, the US mail was hobbled this year and the holidays don't help that anymore. So yeah, I mean, you know, if you're ordering Christmas gifts, order them last week because you know, stuff's gonna get lost this Christmas. I mean, not just from (laughs) us, but from anyone. There's just I hope people aren't counting on minimum wage mail workers and Amazon workers to get them stuff in two days, like on if they're ordering, you know, like a Wi-Fi adapter on a six dollar yeah. wi-fi adapter on the 23rd they're not hoping to get a christmas morning well I that's did. not happening this year
0: I love the snowy evening ones because I love the color and and just everything about them. And I wanted to get some because, like I say, my additions go to Alan because it's just because of the USPS mm-hmm. and shipping and everything. Like they go to Alan, and when I visit Alan, I got a nice little collection to pick up. But I ordered some snowy evenings to come here, and it's like they'll they'll turn up when they turn up. <laughs> the worst thing is when you get the tracking number and you're following every yeah. move. Like Ar- yeah. I've got a package coming from Aaron um, that <laughs> arrived. In Heathrow on November the thirtieth, and and has just has not moved, yeah. and it's like oh crap, where is it? Yeah, I mean, I just yeah,
1: I mean, I've obviously been ordering Christmas gifts and ordering, uh, you know, my usual trail of scooter parts and garbage like that, and yeah, like I, I had place a place to Discord uh, a discogs like record order like a week ago, and it says it ha- it says the label is printed hasn't moved, but I know from field notes like ups doesn't even scan that stuff half the time, so no. I'm not gonna hassle that guy. Like, yeah, just it's a bad time for everyone. Don't let it go and don't hassle these people. They're all doing their best. Yeah, it will turn up one day.
2: I ordered something from literally the local town I live in um, for my wife's birthday three weeks ago. Her birthday is on Friday. Yeah, And it's still like I have no idea where it is, if it's coming, what's going on. And I'm like... I could have probably gone there and knocked on the door. And yeah, picked yeah. It up,
1: I but... saw an email. Yeah, I saw like a meme the other day. Someone ordered something. I think it was in San Francisco. Like they ordered it from a place, you know, like six miles from the airport, and they calculated that a turtle could have actually carried it there faster. <laughs> than it came. And it was it was a funny thing, but it was also really mean because like you know you don't like that's not how it works. Dude, just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the carbon footprint of this set of notebooks right, yeah. is
2: just,
0: <laughs> just just ridiculous. It's.
1: Or, yeah, people, you know, people want stuff in two days and then they see it goes to, like, you know, it goes to Wisconsin then comes back to Illinois or whatever. It's like, why did you go to Wisconsin? It's like, that's how it comes in two days. That's how they do it. They have these big warehouses yeah. around the country that they have to go to, you know, and it's all automated. Like, it's... They, yeah, FedEx knows what it's doing. They're not going to do any... They're, they're not going to get any better ideas from you yeah. calling them. Ring, calling them you, like, yeah.
0: yeah, you ringing them and asking them if they could just yeah, pop outside right. and see if they could find it. It's right. not going to happen.
2: <laughs> so, um... Yeah, I have... I have a friend who worked for one of those delivery companies and he said they're so efficient that mm-hmm. they track the route that they drive right. so they don't have to make left turns across traffic. I mean Yeah,
1: I mean their their job isn't shipping, it's it's logistics. It's like, you know, it's not, you know, it's like which sometimes
0: it feels like our job isn't notebooks, it's logistics. <laughs> but so how's the rest of are you guys like I got your email the other day. Are you able to finally have a bit of a rest now can you kind of take your foot off the gas and just see out the rest of this year now and then kind of i know you're usually, working on spring but i yeah i mean you...
1: usually that's the case usually i mean usually we actually close the week after christmas but what is a vacation anymore exactly i've yeah. taken i think i took one vacation day this year.
0: <laughs> in the living room instead
1: uh, yeah right so uh so yeah uh, normally that would be the case like normally once the normally the winter edition would launch before thanksgiving and then, you know, we have tons of Christmas orders coming in, and I might go in and help pack orders once in a while. But we also usually staff up a lot and have a lot of extra people in. So my part of it is really kind of pretty mellow through mid-December. And then we're usually closed that the week between Christmas and New Year's. But, uh, I mean, this year, just with without be able, being able to bring in temps to pack and without having to be, you know, we can't have all of us there at the same time packing. Uh, we're all working weird hours and doing some extra time to get those orders packed.
0: But, uh, uh,
1: Well. But I think once, uh, yeah, once uh, once we get you know a few days before Christmas, I think things will mellow out and uh, should have a pretty quiet week after Christmas. Hopefully, <laughs> so I mean, you... even working on spring, you know, working on spring is is leisurely. You know, we can get it. You know, if I work on it a few hours a day, that's no problem. So,
0: at least you've got, uh, like you say, you United uh, the letter press and then snowy evening came quite close to each other. Right. But like yeah. now you've got Christmas and you've got that. Break yeah, yeah. To work the, on it. Yeah,
1: fall and fall and winter always crash together more than we'd like and then we've got a but then we usually have a nice
0: break before
1: spring uh, well, to do something a little more ambitious well,
0: as a field notes as a field notes collector and a, an admirer of your design and and everything that goes in behind it i do i appreciate a lot of like the, the backstory the stuff that we've talked about and i like supporting a friend you know i quite often i go and buy an extra couple of packs for friends and send some out to people but appreciate your time brian it's been really fascinating to hear all about it and and kind of see what your day's like and what you have to do because you know you are i think you're probably um probably maybe more well liked than you realize at times <laughs> As,
2: you know, it is i mean
1: that's
0: i mean when it all comes down to it, just seeing people
1: <laughs> you know even for all the snarky comments and haters and everything like there's just people get excited about these things and just even seeing people complaining about them it's just nice to be thought about you know like it's nice that people take it that seriously because you know you ca- i could be doing anything and, and to actually be making something i can hold my hand i've got a big box of these things of that i made you know and or that we made obviously uh it's just it's nice to make something and it's nice to see other people get excited about it and that's really what it comes down to for me
0: yeah it's nice to look back when you're when you're old and in your smoking jacket and yeah. you can look back and there's a big older like, oh. yeah i yep. made that i made uh, see <laughs> see that hundredth <100th> edition there <laughs> uh, jim and i were just joking about that he's like yeah we'll do that for the hundredth i was yeah. like you
1: know, I, guess I, I guess i got nothing
0: better to do <laughs> i mean do you, we'll, we'll finish up in a second. Um, i mean is field notes is field notes your future do you think that will just continue to be i guess i mean i've been here i started at kudal in 98
1: so i've been there 22 years which is a ridiculously (laughs) long time and doing field notes for you know most of like since 2007 i guess yeah um so yeah i don't know what else i would do now like i just have you know like Yeah, I I don't know. I don't have other plans. I've been working on, you know, maybe padding out this whole forensic design idea into, you know, like doing podcasts and doing lectures and stuff. So maybe taking that to some more schools and getting more. I've always like really enjoyed education. So you know, maybe teaching some classes or something and maybe getting into that a little bit, but that's not super lucrative.
0: <laughs> no, but it's fun because you get to talk about yeah. the thing you, you love. I mean, you get to talk if about I was, field right. news, but
1: If I was smart, I would have got a, like a university job a couple of years ago and then I could send my kids to college for free, but I didn't have that
0: foresight. Oh, well, we will definitely, if you... If you get if the world goes back to normal and you get to bring your Vesper over and go to an <laughs> event, we'll have to try and fix you up for a local design event and get you to do a talk. Yeah, and, I would love uh, to do that. And talk about the forensic design and graphic design. Cause, um I, I say it's been I pleasant, haven't, Brian. I haven't
1: been to England since Arsenal was good.
0: Uh, <laughs> I spoke to a guy I interviewed someone yesterday who's a Liverpool supporter and yeah. uh the only, the only thing i could really come at he Good said for he, he said to me yeah he said are you a football fan I said well <laughs> I, su- I support qpr so i don't know whether that counts but I, I remember i remember going to america and um getting into the airport and the night before i flew qpr played liverpool and we were awful at the time and liverpool went 2-0 up and i was just like oh god you know i've lost again." Woke up in the morning, we'd beaten them 3-2. <laughs> and and when I got to the airport in Washington, because Liverpool scored this amazing <laughs> overhead kick, they sh- they were showing it on the big screen. And, you know, there's all these people sort of looking at me. It's like they're showing English football in Washington airport in, in the TSA queue. And I just stood there with the biggest smile on my face because, like, yeah, it might have been a good goal, but we beat them 3-2 in the last yeah. minute. But, <laughs> but yeah, I look, look forward to I you. it I just somewhere someone
1: over. said Arsenal was in fifth place. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, in London
0: yeah yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> oh well, arsenal can finish second in the premier league and they'll still moan about it <laughs> oh yeah for sure oh uh, but anyway thank you brian i've kept you talking for long enough and oh god it's been. A... i i pity anyone
1: that
0: has to listen to this oh, no no i've been looking forward to it and i know there's a few people looking forward to listen to it especially that like big giveaway i can't believe you revealed Shh. that yeah we might yeah. have to fuzz that out yeah <laughs> um but no thank you brian and um we'll we'll speak outside of this anyway because i've got stuff i want to know that i can't ask on the podcast oh sure uh, but and thank yeah. you alan because i know alan like alan yeah, good to meet you alan thanks a lot yeah alan will send me a message oh. and he'll send me a message and go you've had another delivery <laughs> yeah.
1: are you gonna have to go in and like edit bits of this out to make it not four hours long now? oh
0: no no i'm putting the whole thing out i don't care it's oh, my god podcast. help everybody yeah god save it's- us all yeah, we, when we first started, it was meant to be like forty-five minutes to an hour, but now it's kind of—I don't want to cut the, my guest off. If if you've got the time to do it, I want to ask you all the questions. Oh. So if people want to listen. That's—I'm—I'm I'm not fixated by the numbers. They, I just want people to hear good conversation. So thank you. Sure. See you guys. Take care.